Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Yo, it's that time. My Take Radio, episode 20. I'm your host, Rich, and today is Thursday, November 19th, 2009. The intro music you just heard was The Omen of Genova from ocremix.org. The artist was Neko Frog One, N-E-K-O, Frog, the number one. You can head over to ocremix.org to download that and any of the other new music that they put up every week. Uh, here's the rundown for this week's show. I will be joined by Larry Oji, who is one of the lead guys at ocremix.org. He's going to be talking a little wrestling with us, as well as some of the stuff that goes into video game music, as well as some of his rants and stories about uh, classic games. Also, we will be discussing the art contest. Uh, rules are as follows. So if you've got a pen and paper... You can take it down, or you can check mytakeradio.com after the show to discuss. Uh, the contest is going to be one logo and one banner. The banner size is going to be 480 by 250. Uh, the first prize, $100 gift card. Second prize, $50 gift card. Contest starts today. It will end December 17th, and I will accept entries up till December 10th. Um, you can also make a smaller banner if you wish, or the banner can be shrunk down to 275 by 155. That's how it's going to work. Got one logo, one banner, first prize 100 bucks, second prize 50 bucks. After which you will have until December 10th to get it. Uh, it's going to run until the 17th. Um, I'm going to try and send out whatever prizes are available. Shortly after, probably, I'd like to get everybody's prizes to them by the, you know, by Christmas, at least by Christmas Eve. So, once again, contest is today, ends the 17th. You can submit until the 10th. Now, one of the things I'm going to consider doing, and I'm going to decide that by the end of the show, is whether I'm going to have you, the listeners, vote on it, or if I'm going to review the entries with some other people and pick the entries myself. Nonetheless, either way, all the details are going to be on MyTakeRadio.com. Um, for those of you that are in the chat room, please know that Slick is officially the moderator of the chat, um, just to keep things a little civilized and orderly. So he's going to be running that, and he will be PMing me if anybody is uh, getting a little out of hand. Nonetheless, I uh, also want to welcome Bronx as the newest staff member from My Take Radio. He will be providing uh, his take on wrestling and gaming, and he should be posting some stuff over the coming weeks. So definitely a My Take Radio welcome to Bronx. And if you'd like to call in to talk to Larry or myself about any of tonight's topics, 
call in 347-324-3541. As a matter of fact, I think that might be him on the line. You're on the air. Who's this? Hello. Hey, this is Dave. Hey, what's going on, Dave? Not much, not much. I'm just calling in to listen to the show. That really is oh, nice. any type of question. Oh, okay. I will just uh, put you on mute then. I thought you were the guest. I'm still, uh, this switchboard yeah. is a little weird. That's okay. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right, so until Larry calls in, let's go through a rundown of tonight's topics. Of course, we're going to be talking about this week's Ultimate Fighter, UFC 105. We're also going to be talking about WEC's Aldo versus Brown fight, which was fucking fantastic. Brock Lesnar possibly never fighting again, definitely uh, buzzing all over the Internet. You're going to get my news, my take, and my feelings on the whole situation. Uh, the injury bug that's hit the UFC, including Brock Lesnar, uh, Shane Carwin, and Nog, all those guys are out. You're going to hear my thoughts on that. Uh, Carl Parisian is out of UFC 106, which is this weekend. Shocked? I am not. The reasoning that is behind it, though, is a little puzzling. Shane McMahon met with the UFC. Going to be talking about that. Roddy Piper hosted Raw. Uh, not the best, not the worst, but definitely interesting. Stick around to hear a little bit about TNA. We're going to rant a little bit about Call of Duty. Uh, a little bit of the usual stuff with sequels, Spider-Man 4, the main topic. I'm also going to discuss a little bit of the post that I did on MyTakeRadio.com regarding uh, my casting choices for the next Batman and the next Spider-Man films. So with that, let's get into MMA. Uh, first off, Dana White recently was doing press for the upcoming UFC pay-per-view, and one of the questions that was asked is the fact of Quentin Rampage Jackson coming back at some point. Uh, the fact is that Dana White feels that Rampage will be back, he says that once he's done with the A-Team movie, he will be back in the UFC, and he said Rampage is under contract with us, and this is where he makes his money. So he definitely confirmed that Rampage will be back. Nonetheless, I think that, and this is just totally the way I see things. You know, everybody's going to look at it a little differently. I honestly think that Rampage, while I'm more than sure he'll do well in the A-Team, he's a young dude, he's a, he's a hungry lion, he should definitely, you know, if, if he wants to do movies, you know what, finish out your contract, shut Rashad Evans' mouth, you know, maybe get a title reign out of the way, and then you can move forward. But I feel that when you're signed on for an obligation as a primary employer, you know, if they let you moonlight, that's fine. But one of the things that was brought to my attention recently that was the fact that, you know, Rampage asked to coach the Ultimate Fighter from what I've read. Uh, Dana White said, okay, and you and Rashad will fight after this, after this season, at which point Rampage was on board. Then the A-Team thing came up, and he went and decided to do the A-Team movie. Nonetheless, you know, he committed to doing the Ultimate Fighter. He also committed to fighting Rashad Evans after the season was over. Now, with that said, you know, you make these commitments, you, you should honor them because, you know, with George St. Pierre possibly fight, uh, representing Team Canada in the Olympics, you know, when Dana White was asked about it, he said that, you know, he has no issue with it, especially if it's done, you know, at the right time. Nonetheless, I think that Rampage should be back in the UFC, especially after all the shit with him and Rashad, and it should be done. 
I mean, let him finish out his contract, and afterwards, hey, you know, you do what you want to do, happy trails. But, you know, give the fans what they want to see. A lot of fans just want to see you fight, and that's what you're known for. Not to say that his acting is good, bad, or otherwise, but, you know, the UFC is what we know you for, punching people in the face, slamming people on their head, and just being an outright scary dude or what he's known for. And me personally as a fan, I'd miss that over a spat regarding something that, you know, you have ample time to do when your fighting career is over. Nonetheless, you know, we'll see what happens. I think that Rampage definitely will be back. I don't think we'll see him till at least the middle of 2010, but who knows? We'll see where it goes. Uh, Dave Meltzer, of course, has been reporting, uh, keeping people abreast about the Brock Lesnar situation. Um, of course, Brock Lesnar was unable to fight in the main event against Shane Carwin. He was uh, battling a case of mono. Unfortunately, it turns out that he's dealing with something more serious. Uh, he collapsed at one point when he went to Canada for rest. Uh, he was taken to a hospital there. Of course, rumors started popping up that he might have cancer, he might have AIDS, hepatitis. What the fuck else did I hear? Uh, swine flu uh, Crohn's disease. I, I heard it all this week. Um, as it turns out, there's still no definitive cause for what's going on with him, but nonetheless, he did go uh, into the, uh, he's going to be going to the Mayo Clinic, which Dana White is working on, but he did go in for a procedure, and it seems that they were working on a hole that he had in his intestines. Uh, the way it works is Dana White said to Yahoo Sports that he had a hole in his intestine, and it's probably bile from his intestine was leaking into his stomach, and he'd been having a lot of pain, and he'd also been having a lot of intestinal abscesses. Um, the doctor told him that he hadn't been, you know, this has been going on for a year. So the fact that you pretty much have your bile leaking into your stomach and you're fucking fighting is a testament to how fucking tough he is. You know, that's some crazy shit. Um, his immune system was trying to fight the... Uh, the bile that was leaking into his stomach, and what happened was his immune system was weakened, and that's how he ended up getting the mono. Um, of course, you know, he went in, uh, he had a small surgical procedure and got sent home. Uh, Dana White said that, you know, one of the things he said was that if he's done what he's done at less than 100%, God help him, God help whoever he fights if he comes back at 100%, which is, you know, it's something to look forward to. I think that personally... The guy has a hole in his intestines, and God knows whatever the fuck else is going on, and he's going to definitely need ample time to heal up. And not only that, I'm more than sure he's going to lose a significant amount of size, a significant amount of weight, a significant amount of strength. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I wish him the best. I mean, like I said, you know, regardless of my personal feelings towards him, one of the things that I always say is, you know, if, if you get to a point where you're doing something you love and it's taken away from you for something that's out of your control, then, you know, it, it, it sucks. It's, it's the worst shit, you know. And in his case, you know, he finally kind of found his calling. You know, he tried the NFL, didn't work. He tried wrestling, didn't work. He ended up, you know, get, you know, finding something that he's good at. And the fact is that MMA, he felt worth for him. He didn't have to be on the road 300 times a year like the WWE. He can live on his farm with his family, raise his children, you know, fight when needed, train with, when needed, and just not deal with so many of the rigors of, you know, being on the road wrestling or being on an NFL schedule. So, you know, it's very unfortunate what's happened to him, and 
I really wish him the best. I really hope to see him back in the near future. Um, of course, besides him being injured, uh, Noguera is injured. He won't be able to fight um, at UFC 108 because he has a staph infection, which uh, they had to give him IV treatments to get rid of it. So they're saying he's in bad shape. Uh, Shane Carwin underwent knee surgery, so he won't be facing Cain Velasquez at UFC 108. It's just a, a it's one of those things where when it happens in in every sport, in every organization where you know there's there's a, a period where everybody gets get, where a majority of you guys get injured. You know, if you watch wrestling, sometimes four or five main event guys boom wiped out in a single click. The good thing about this is that a lot of new guys can come in and move up the ladder in terms of popularity, exposure. You know, there, there's a, a void that can be filled by any of the other heavyweight uh, fighters that are out there. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, the UFC is fucking fucked now. And, and people are realizing that the ultimate fighter is doing heavyweights. And they got plenty of heavyweight guys in there that can step in, gain a fan base, and move on. I mean, you got Ray Nelson in there. You got Kimbo in there. You got, you know, for all intents and purposes, you got Big Baby in there, Marcus. So, you know, the heavyweight division just has to grow its its stars, you know. It's not to say that you don't got Czech Congo, Frank Mir. You got Cain Velasquez. I'm more than sure Carwin will be back at some point. Um, the interesting question that comes up now is what happens with the heavyweight title? There's rumors that they're going to have an interim belt in the meantime until Brock Lesnar gets better. I'm more than sure that if he is unable to continue his MMA career, they will vacate the title. But there should be a belt out there for these guys to fight for. If he's on the shelf for six months, you can't hold up that belt. So I really hope that they pull the trigger on an interim title to give these guys um, a fair shot, you know, because there's a lot of guys I honestly think, you know, Velasquez and, and Carwin, for instance, definitely are in there. Uh, Mir, Noguera, those guys definitely in there. So, Either way, just out of those four guys, you got you got title fights. So I'm, I'm you know, I, I hope Brock gets better to defend his belt, but I also hope that the UFC gives the other heavyweight fighters an incentive to move forward. Uh, Yahoo Sports reported that uh, Lyoto Machida and Shogun will be having their rematch for the light heavyweight title in Montreal on May 1st. So those of you that you know, much like me, were annoyed at Cecil Peoples and those shitty judges and the decision that was rendered, you will get the opportunity to be vindicated May 1st when these guys fight again. I honestly think that Machida, um, people are starting to figure him out. Shogun definitely had him figured out a little bit. Um, I think Couture wants to fight Machida. You know, that's one thing I like about Couture, and it was one of the things that he proved in his uh, most recent fight against Vera, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they dial out, you know, they, they kind of don't give the old man the credit that he's due. And, you know, he ends up surprising the shit out of them. So I definitely wouldn't mind seeing um, Couture and Machida lock horns, but definitely Shogun is coming for that ass May 1st. Um, before I continue with the rest of the MMA news, let me actually jump back a little bit and go into um, – the ultimate fighter stuff, but before I do that, looks like we got a caller. You're on the air. Yeah, hey, this is Dave from Denver. I have a question about your what you had said about the six months he would be out for to uh, defend his title, Brock Lesnar, anyway. 
Right. Go ahead. What, what do you got to say? Is, is there a set time limit in his contract saying that if you don't fight for two months, we take your title? Um, in terms of contract specifics, personally, I've, I haven't seen any. I think that they keep that, you know, pretty close to the chest in terms of, of their, you know, in terms of that type of information. But me personally, I think that when you get to a stage in the game where, you know, it's a highly coveted belt, I'm more than sure that if, if Dana White is told, hey, this guy's going to be on the shelf for three months, they may do an interim belt and have that belt defended until he returns. If they tell him he's out six months, then, you know, the interim belt is going to be the gold standard. As long as they don't tell him that his career is over, you know, there will be an interim title. I mean, if they go, look, he'll never fight again, then the UFC's got to pull the trigger and take the belt because nobody's going to be, you know, coveting an interim belt when the real guy has zero chance of coming back. Sure. Okay, thank you. Not a problem. Anything else, Dave? You're a first-time caller? Yes, I am. I'm actually a, a fan from the VGN show. Oh, nice, man. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for the call. Hey, no problem. All right, man. Thanks. All right, let's get into this week's Ultimate Fighter. Of course, uh, this week's Ultimate Fighter uh, included the the legendary Coach's Challenge, which for this season was beach volleyball. Um, actually, it was a very fun Coach's Challenge. Prize was ten grand for the coaches, fifteen hundred for the fighters. Um, it turned out being one of those things where um, I, I actually thought Rampage had it, but you know, Rashad came out and ended up taking the win. Uh, Rampage, of course, made sure to throw in his little line there that he wants to knock Rashad the fuck out. But you know what? You should be here to do that. So, you know, I kind of got irked when I heard that commentary. Um, of course, uh, they started going into the little Matt Mitrione situation and about how he's, you know, he's not sure he wants to fight, which, le- which led, of course, to the obligatory Dana White coming in and giving these guys a speech. And, you know, he comes in, he said, he's like, look, man, if you guys don't want to fucking fight, then please say so. There's guys here that want to fight, and they deserve the opportunity. Um, The fight for this week's episode was Brendan Schaub and John Madsen. Um, Turns out, I honestly thought that Madsen had a decent shot, but Schaub came in, and he uh, knocked him out in round two. So, you know, Dana White wasn't impressed with the fight, and he's, he actually threw a very funny one-liner where he said that if you can shut down a one-dimensional guy, that is impressive. So, you know, I can, I can honestly see a lot of disdain from Dana over the last few episodes just because he's not, I don't know, he seems to just have a, he just seems to have a permanent irk with most of the fighters, which is, which is funny, but on the same token, it just shows that these guys aren't going out there and just being um, decisive in their victories. I mean, you know, big country, he comes in there, he talks his his um, tirade of shit about how great he is and whatnot, not for nothing, I have to admit, he doesn't impress me. You know, he moves around well for a big guy, but he also knows how to manipulate his size uh, to his advantage. But we'll see what happens. Of course, they continue to tease um, Kimbo Slice possibly making his way back in there. Um, we're going to find out next week. Um, during the two-hour show, which re- which is actually not being broadcast next week because it's Thanksgiving. So the next Ultimate Fighter episode, put it on your calendars, is going to be December 2nd. And it will be two hours. We're going to find out who's going to fight McSweeney, 
Uh, will Mitrion keep his fight? You know, and will Kimbo come back in? Because one of the things they've been doing a lot of is just teasing Kimbo Slice being involved in the fight again. So we'll see what happens. I honestly like this episode. You know, they actually, you know, Dana White, of course, coming in, giving one of his legendary speeches is one of the things I enjoy the most. Um, in regards to uh, Rashad, as usual, you know, I, I have my own personal beef with him, but, you know, Rampage, the, the, the shit talking wasn't as prevalent this season, you know, this episode, I should say, but there's no payoff, you know. I'm, I'm really upset about the payoff that you'd expect from the coaches, you know, just beating the shit out of each other in the finale. So, you know, it kind of goes back to my little, my, little, my little tiff with Rampage. But we'll see what happens December 2nd. Um, I'm really hoping to see Kimbo put back into play because I'm dying to see what he's learned in that time span. And who knows, he may come in there and fuck somebody up and get into the final. But we shall see what happens. Moving into a bit more of the other recaps, of course, UFC 105 was free on Spike uh, this past weekend. The main event was... Randy Couture, and Brandon The Truth Vera. First off, I'm going to say that Ross Pearson made a fan out of me. Ross Pearson uh, was the winner of the uh, U.S. versus U.K. Ultimate Fighter uh, for lightweights, and he came in there, and he put on a fucking clinic, man. This kid, this kid had great stand-up. He had good counters, and he wasn't even fighting a tin can. He was fighting a, a serious dude. You know, Aaron Riley, the guy's 28 wins, 11 losses, you know, one, uh, one draw. The guy's no slouch, and, you know, he's a tough dude. I've seen him fight before, but, but Pearson came in there, and he just, he just showed dominant stand-up. Uh, he had a lot of great knees. The, the fight actually ended up being uh, ruled a TKO in round two because of a jumping knee that Riley took to the face, and the cut was just a fucking gusher. Um, besides the fact that, you know, I really would have liked to see them even go longer. I understand, you know, you stopped the fight because of a cut, and that's great. But just the, the clinic that Pearson put on, uh, put the light heavy, the light, um, excuse me, the lightweight guys on notice. And he said it, you know, he was like, look, I came out here to prove myself. I fought a tough dude, and I wanted people to know that, you know, I'm going to be a force in the lightweight division. And you know what? Being so, um, being so much in the game like he was, he had a lot to prove. You know, it seems that the guys that win the Ultimate Fighter, they, not to say that they don't get the respect they deserve, but it, it's the typical. Oh, these are fucking reality shows, guys. And you know, yeah, these guys are fighting in lower cards and smaller venues. But the fact is that when you come out there and you put on a fucking clinic like Ross Pearson did, that's how that's how you earn fans. That's how you do exciting fights, and most importantly, that's how you start putting other people in your division on notice that, you know, you're not just some dude that won a reality show. So definitely kudos to Ross Pearson for doing what he had to do. It was fucking awesome. Like I said, he made a fan out of me. Uh, Matt Brown and James Wilkes. I actually expected Wilkes to come in and do some damage. The guy, you know, he has his own school. He's taught um, law enforcement and military, the martial arts, the guy has great experience, but Matt Brown, I like Matt Brown just because you can tell that he's just a psychopath, I don't know what it is about him, he just looks like he's nuts, even when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, you can see that he, you know, he was real serious, he was really about it, in terms of just coming in there and doing work, but Matt Brown came in there in round three, and uh, took it to him with a TKO, and it was crazy, because Wilkes was working the head kicks, but Brown just knew how to come in, he swept them out, 
he gave up his back and he just just bashed his fucking head in. But I think that at the end of the day, you know, Wilkes, Wilkes, this was just a small bump in the road. I think, you know, that it's not something where he's going to get cut from the UFC or something, but it was definitely something where Brown showed that since the Ultimate Fighter, he's improved greatly, and he looks like he's definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, Andre Winner and Roly Delgado, uh, really short prelim fight that they ended up broadcasting. Uh, Andre Winner was on the U.S. versus U.K. Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he had like a real pretty boy, cocky dude mentality to him, but man, did he come in there and just drop him like drop him like a sack of potatoes. The only thing was that the judge, I mean not the judge, the ref, should have jumped in because Winner landed a few more punches than I personally think he should have, but you know, he got he got pulled away by the ref, but the stoppage was a little suspect. Nonetheless, uh, you know, I like this performance. It was quick. He came in there and did his thing. Tito Ortiz, of course, joined the broadcast via satellite, talking about his fight with Forrest. Uh, great hype from Tito Ortiz. I'm definitely looking forward to the fight. I like Tito. Tito's one of those guys. You either really love him or you just hate the fuck out of him. And, and Tito, I remember when I was younger, I used to think, God, oh, this guy's a fucking clown. But he's grown on me because not only is he a, he's a good fighter, but he's a great promoter. He knows how to sell the fight. Not to say that the fight wouldn't have been purchased by people anyway, but I like the fact that, you know, Andre Winner, I mean Andre Winner, that uh, Tito Ortiz comes in there and he sells you. Just, just on standing there with, the, with his sunglasses on, his hair was bleached, he's like, yeah, man, you know, standing in front of, ironically, a, a mural of him and Forrest last fight, with him punching Forrest in the face. So, you know, a little subtle dig at Forrest. I like the fact, you know, he's focused. Tito, you know, he got his back surgery. He says he's 100%, and I'm really ready for this fight this weekend. I think that this fight has the potential of being a fight of the night, not to take away from some of the other fights that you're going to be able to see, but I just think that Tito's going to go in there and handle his business. I can't even make a pick on that fight because I like both of those dudes. It's one of those things where I'm really torn because Forrest is, is an awesome dude and a good fighter, but Tito's coming in there, and he's coming for blood and to prove a point. So we'll see what happens this weekend. You can definitely check that out on pay-per-view. Of course, it's going to be November 21st, and the main event is Ortiz and Griffin. Uh, Koscheck and Rumble Johnson will be fighting, which I want to see. Um, Paulo Thiago and Jacob Volkman got moved up to the broadcast card after the fucking bullshit with Carl Parisian. Uh, Luis Kane is going to fight uh, Minotauro Noguera, um, Big Nog's brother. And I, the fight I want to see is going to be the New York badass Phil Baroni uh, fighting Amir Sadala. I'm looking forward to that. I'm a little bummed out that Marcus Davis isn't fighting on the main card. His, his fight against Ben Saunders um, is on the prelims, but it's going to be broadcast for free on Spike, I hope. So we'll see what happens. Uh, those prelim fights are going to be broadcast at 9 p.m., so we'll see what happens. Um, another fight that was just a surprisingly great fight was Dennis Kang and Bisping. Of course, Bisping coming off that devastating knockout against Dan Henderson had a lot to prove, and above all else, he was really, really trying to get that post-knockout jitter off of his back. And Kang is, is not a slouch, man. Dennis Kang is a fucking... His highlight reel is just a fucking who's who of just people getting their ass whooped. Uh, Kang definitely took the first round. Um, Bisping almost had an arm bar, but Kang knew how to counter, and the fight ended 
uh, in half guard. First round, I think they judged it. Uh, they, of course, they gave it to Kang. Uh, second round, Bisping turned it up. He started getting into his groove, and he ended up just just pounding out Kang. And you know, there was no there was no escaping for him. You know, he turtled up. Ref came in and stopped it, so he won. Uh, Bisping won by TKO in round two. So props to Bisping for, like I said, getting that monkey off his back. Uh, Dan Hardy and Mike Swick, uh, fantastic fight uh, for a chance to fight George St. Pierre. Uh, to me, I noticed that Swick seemed a little a little skinnier than usual. He may have cut too much weight, and uh, you know I kind of feel that that may have hindered his performance. But Hardy's just a fucking maniac, and he went in there. He took the first round. He took the second round with the clinch and a hook at the at the break, and then uh, he ended up just pressing forward. But Hardy Hardy just took it to Swick, which was you know very very good fight overall. I think that Hardy. I don't think he has a great shot against GSP, but who knows? We'll see what happens. But I think that um, Swick and, and Hardy put on a fantastic fight, and I honestly think that Swick may have over um, cut too much weight or over-dieted, but that's just my personal opinion. I mean, who knows what went on, but he didn't seem as crisp as he normally is. Uh, he seemed a little more hesitant um, in terms of towards the later rounds. His cardio may have suffered from cutting weight, but We'll see what happens. Of course, GSP was at the event. He came in. He said that Hardy deserves a title shot, and he's looking forward to fighting him. In relation to that, there's rumors going around that GSP and Dan Hardy may coach the next season of The Ultimate Fighter. So we'll see what happens. And, of course, the main event, uh, Captain America, the natural Randy Couture fighting uh, the truth, Brandon Vera. The fight ended up going the full three rounds. Um, a lot of people are going to definitely say that Vera was more dominant, but one of the things that judges look at in fights is octagon control, and Randy Couture did a great job of just keeping Brandon Vera on the fence for a majority of the fight, and uh, looks like this may be our guest. Let's see. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Jedi. Sorry, it's not your guest. Hey, Jedi, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, before any, I ask my question, I just want to tell you congratulations on your 20th show. Thank and, you very uh, much, sir. Yeah, dude, I, I'm late to the party. I started listening to it just a few weeks ago, and I subscribed to it, and I, I sincerely want to tell you, man, that I think it's awesome, and I look forward to it every week. So keep up the good work. And Thanks um, a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. My question for you is, um, I'm glad you're on Mixed Martial Arts because it has to do with that. You talked about the Fedor fight last week, and I noticed after listening to other podcasts and other um, big media outlets, like stuff on ESPN, that um, they were starting to mention the Fedor fight just in passing, and um, I thought that was a really good thing for the, the sport of mixed martial arts and everything, and, and also did a lot for uh, Strikeforce, the organization. Um, my question to you now is, um, do you think that there's added pressure on the UFC at this point to get a network deal, and how close do you think they are uh, from getting that. Well, you know what it is? The the thing with networks is that network deals always are it's like it's like you're getting a handshake but you don't know if the guy has his fingers crossed behind his back. Right. I, I always feel that, you know, strike force and, you know, piss bag Gus Johnson is a great example. I don't think that if Strike Force were on cable or on anything else, we'd have to deal with the Gus Johnsons of the MMA yeah. world. 
So yeah. I think that, you know, there's certain little give and takes that you have with broadcast network. And I'm more than sure that's one of the things that happened with Elite XC. You know, they wanted Kimbo on the main stage, you know, and they wanted all that because that was what was guaranteeing them ratings and buy rate. Unfortunately, of course, um, that blew up in their face. Now they're a little bit more, uh, a little bit more careful about who they want to fight, who they want to put on the air. But the fact is that I honestly like the UFC's working arrangement with Spike. I think Spike is a great network that caters to the demographic that the UFC will benefit with. In terms right. of network television, though, the only channel I can see that can give the UFC a little bit more justice because they're a little bit risque in their programming is Fox. Right. And, you know, in terms of that happening, who knows? That's always been discussed. There was always rumors of HBO. I honestly think Spike is doing a great job with the UFC in terms of the ultimate fighter and promoting the sport of MMA as a whole. Um, The added pressure for the UFC, though, is definitely going to come from the fact that, you know, people are tuning into this broadcast television, and the fact that UFC has to work so hard to counter it is a problem. Right. Yeah, because I'll tell you from my perspective, I don't don't have cable, and um, so I can't – when I want to watch, you know, any sort of UFC, anything, I have to go to my my friend's house or get it online – um, you know, you know, I can shout out the Bucks and get cable like everybody else. But there is something to be said about you know, there's a national network like CBS getting getting mixed martial arts, and so um, because it just you know, you could just be flipping through the channels or whatever, and and you come across a legitimate network like CBS. Maybe you're going there to watch the news, and all of a sudden you're caught up in a fight. You know, nobody goes to Spike TV except to watch UFC, as far as I know. So I would think that, you know, the UFC would really be pushing hard for that. I mean, I keep hearing Dana White say that, you know, they're close to getting a deal and this and that, but I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Well, Dana White is, is seeing it for what it is, and he knows that, you know, when you're getting in bed with the networks, there's certain prerequisites and certain little things and certain sponsorships that they're going to want to protect, you know? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's, that's the big thing, you know? Right, right. Cool. All right, man. Well, I, I know you're waiting for your guest to call in, but thanks for taking the time to uh, answer my question. Oh, you got it, man. Thanks again for the call, Jedi. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Take care. All right. Later. All right. Let's see who else we got. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh, yeah, this is Larry, man. I'm. Uh, this is awesome, man, hearing you talking mixed martial arts, man. Uh, anytime you're ready to talk to OCR, man, I'm down, but I, I love listening to you talk, Rich. This is badass. All right, man. Hey, uh, for those of you just joining us, uh, this is Larry OG from uh, ocremix.org. He also worked on the Street Fighter album, which I actually have in my Xbox to play Street Fighter with, so it's really cool having you on. Um, Off the bat, for those that don't know you, tell them a little bit about OC Remix, man. Oh, awesome, man. Well, what is it? Um, my official role there is I'm the head submissions evaluator. I kind of appointed myself that because I do pretty much all of the <laughs> all of the grunt work in terms of getting the um, the submissions judged, and I've actually scaled back a little bit on that. Um, but the site was started in 1999 by um, by David Lloyd, aka DJ Pretzel, and um, basically he grew up playing, you know, Sega Master System, NES, you know, all that, all the old school stuff, um, you know, even the Atari way back. And, um, you know, there were a lot of kids back then like us where, um, you know, you like the music from the games and you put like like a cassette player up to the TV and record it and, you know, then play it back and be like, oh, you know, outside of the game and, and you know, stuff like that. So basically he created um, OC Remix 
to um, keep his musical skills sharp, but also do it in a really like a really fun and, and cool way. And um, you know, no one was really doing kind of video game music covers at the time. I know, um, you know, I don't know how much you know about sort of the bands that are out there, like The Advantage and and Mini Bosses and stuff like that. Those were some of the early bands in the in the U.S. that were doing that. Um, it was big in Japan, but no one was really doing it in the um, and and also in Europe with like the Commodore 64. But no one was really doing it um, to a big extent in the in the states, and so uh, Dave figured, well, you know, if people like to remix video game music like in Europe and, and Japan, okay, but why don't we do it in the U.S.? But why don't we do it so that you can remix any game from any system? Let's not limit it to like you know the Commodore 64 or you know limit it to limit the genre like the techno and stuff. So he decided you know any game is fair play as long as the music was originally created for a video game. And, you know, any style of music is good. So if you like rock, you like metal, jazz, rap, you know, any style is cool as long as, you know, um, you do a creative take on the original music and just present it in a new way. Well, that's awesome, man. What I want – it's funny, though. In terms of the submission process, how do you go about, you know, picking through some of the submissions and saying, hey, man, this is, this is an awesome remix or – and not kind of what we're looking for. Do you just uh, feel that it's a – you know, just in terms of freedom of expression, or is there a certain criteria that you're looking for in terms of, you know, what you want to post for the site? Uh, we definitely have criteria. It's kind of evolved over the years. Like um, up until, um, I think about, yeah, up until uh, 2002, I believe. Um, yeah, up until 2002, the site was around for about three years where um, DJ Pretzel just posted everything himself. And, um, you know, as the site became more and more popular, it just, you know, he couldn't do it on his own. It was just way too much stuff was coming in, um, you know, to the inbox. It was just too much to deal with. So what he did was he took a poll of the community to figure out kind of, okay, what direction do we need to go in to make this work so that we can get the music up there. And um, the community's ultimate choice was to pick some trusted people in the community and have them help decide what remixes went up. And that was when the judges panel was created back in 02. Um, I, I showed up and joined the staff in uh, 04. And basically, like how the criteria has been going down is that um, we have two equal parts that we're looking at. Um, we're not a cover site, you know, like as cool as video game music covers are, where, you know, okay, I'm going to play Mario theme on, on the piano. As cool as that is, what we're looking for is to take it like a level beyond the cover. So, you know, okay, take the Mario theme, but, um, you know, let's do it in a jazz style or, like, let's do it in a rock style. So not just playing it one for one, but also changing the style, you know, adding in solos, changing the tempo, changing the key, you know, like just putting your own personal flavor in it so that it stands as a unique, you know, piece of music outside of the original piece, you know, so that it has its own style. So um, basically we weigh two different things, right? We weigh the arrangement, which is, um, you know, taking the track and, again, transforming it in, like, a number of different ways. And we also weigh the production, uh, the production quality, you know, how good, is, how good are the sounds. You know, like, if you program the instruments on a computer, but they're meant to sound like, you know, real instruments, do they sound realistic enough? You know, are the sounds balanced the right way? Or, like, you know, is the bass way too loud? You can't hear the drums at all, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we look at it with those equal parts. Um, they're both equally important. Um, if we really had to tilt one way to the other, um, we, we have a really high standard um, as the community has grown. So some people think, oh, all they care about is production. But really, 
when it comes down to it, we'll probably pick arrangement as being more valuable. So um, that's pretty much how we do it, man. We got a team of about um, 10 or 11 judges at any given time who are all like remixers. You know, they're experts at putting stuff together. And then you have one or two guys like me um, where, you know, I don't do music at all, Rich. Like I just, you know, I fell into the community because I love it. Yeah, I do the judging, man. I, I don't like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to make music whatsoever, but I love video game music, and that was just kind of how I fell into it. And um, But we got one or two guys like me where we don't make music, but we can listen to it and sort of analyze it and, you know, and, and give our feedback on that level. Nice. I, you know, um, some of the people in the, in the chat that goes on in, in progress during the show, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the listeners from the show, Ark, feels that Secret of Mana, Dragon Song by Harmony is the best OC remix song ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, I'm looking at this. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I'm seeing Arcady right there. Hey, thanks, man. What is it? Um, yeah, Harmony, um, he, ironically enough, right, Harmony, um, oh, man, I got to get on Facebook and, like, find a picture of him somewhere. But he, like, looks like my twin brother. Like, we're like two of the, we're like the two black guys in OC remix. So he looks like my twin brother. He's like a bald black guy. <laughs> and uh, people have people have definitely confused us, but um, yeah, that's a that's a badass remix. And um, for anybody that doesn't know what we do, um, you know, it's it's pretty much a whole full community of musicians who just love video game music, and they do their own arrangements of it in their own style. And since it's been around such a long time, um, you know, we're we're actually going to hit ten years um, next month, and. Um, all our music is free. Like I'm seeing, yeah, Slick pimped the, the URL in the chat, um, ocremix.org. If you go to the website, all the music is free. If you click on any of the tracks to check out, we've got preview videos on YouTube where you can, like, you know, you don't have to download it yet. You can just watch the video real quick and, and you know, get a, get a sense of it and, um, you know, and learn a bit about the site. But it's all music by the fans, for the fans, and it's all free, man. And, there's over uh, there's over 1,700 free tracks so far, and we've got 16 free um, albums out there too, including the uh, the Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD remix soundtrack that we did for Capcom. Oh, that, that let me tell you, and, and let me tell you, I'm a hardcore Street Fighter fan. I'm loving and, it, man. That's my favorite game, dude, ever. I'm not even lying. Yeah, the the music you guys did for that, very very well done. It was smooth. Um, I like the music you guys did for the Vegas stage. Oh, that's my man. See, that's our man, Jose the Bronx Rican. Like, he, uh, Jose, Jose did a big part of the soundtrack, man. He did Vegas stage, he did DJ's theme as well, and he did all, pretty much all but three of the ending themes. So he did, like, yeah, he did a, he did a big, big job on that, on, uh, on Street Fighter HD, man. We can't thank him enough, man. I'm glad you were liking it, because the Vegas theme, that one was kind of controversial because, you know, like some people are, you know, it had kind of, a, it had a hip-hop beat to it. And, you know, some some people don't like that, you know, flat out. Just some people aren't feeling that. But, you know, um, the original track that Jose made it off of, it was it was a rap piece from um, our Super Street Fighter Two Turbo album, Blood on the Asphalt, that came out in 06. Right. And, um, you know, I, th- I thought it was a great, it was a really unique arrangement in the sense of, you know, Putting Vega to hip hop, but also you know the lyrics really emphasized how vain and egotistical Vega was. So I thought everything kind of fit nicely, and um, he made it work in the game. So I'm really glad you liked it. Well, you know what's funny? I um the um the original music I had for this show 
was from Am I Evil. It was the Castlemania theme. So and, I've uh, heard, man. And i got to thank you for, for plugging it and giving the full credit there because, you know, a lot of times people use our stuff um, in a show, and, you know, we always, we're always we always appreciative of that. But, you know, some people don't say it or they say ocremix.com and get that wrong or, or whatever, no, man. So I, I, I appreciate it. I got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, you guys do fantastic work. For uh, this week's episode, I debuted The Omen of Genova by Necrofrog. Oh, uh, man. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, this this song is a problem. I mean, I added some sound clips for the show, and I got to clean it up a little bit because my sound editing isn't isn't great. But the 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 song itself just really really well done. It a lot of talent, man. I mean, you know, I'm a fan of the mini bosses. I'm a fan of. So when I saw um, when I came across your site, um, I was like, wow, like you guys had some stuff from Streets of Rage three. Um, you know, the Street Fighter stuff, some Metroid stuff, and a lot of the Castlevania stuff, which people seem to like a lot. You know, it, it, I felt at home listening to a lot of it because I'm like, wow, this is stuff that I can have on my iPod and, and just groove to while I'm, while I'm home or while I'm driving, depending. I mean, the Omen of Jennifer, when I heard it, I was like, this fits with the show. It has, you know, has a, a, an aggressive guitar sound, you know, has a cool riff, and it just, it, you know, it, it, it puts it in a sense that, this is a track that shows that, at least for this show, that I'm not fucking around, you know? Exactly, exactly. And and, and Necro Frog is one of our relatively newer guys in that, like, he, he just started getting stuff posted on OC Remix, um, you know, like, last year, really. Um, but, yeah, ju- that's Justin Jones. He is, his stuff is pretty brutal, man. I mean, he does some good rock stuff. Um, that one, yeah, Omen of Genova had... Um, Final Fantasy VII and Xenogear stuff in there both. And the the other thing I really like about the site, though, is that, you know, when you talk about a track like that, right, you can show that off to people. They don't need to know where it's from, you know what I mean? Like, some people go, oh, is that shit from a video game? Man, F that. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> you know. So some people judge video game music that way, but um, but really it's come a long way. It's not just about chiptunes and, you know, the old school stuff, even though that stuff is great. But, you know, it's, it's um, you know, it's it's just what it, the site is about, you know, presenting the music in a new way, in a kind of inaccessible way, you know what I'm saying? If you hear that track, you're just going to be like, oh, that's a badass rock track. Who made that? You know, if you find it on YouTube, you're like, send me the MP3. That's, that's, we get that stuff all the time. No, well, you know, that's one of the things, and I was going to ask you, you guys love and just the general submissions are a majority just just old school classics just great games now the the thing is i mean you guys did the hd remix thing but in terms of, of coming towards newer uh let's take a good example super street fighter 4 mm-hmm. is there a re- is there a reason why you guys wouldn't remix tracks from that is that something where you know the publishers give you guys a lot of shit or is it something just based on what people are sending in and what's hot at the moment yeah, I mean, it's literally just based on um, what's being sent in. The only stuff that we don't allow is um, remixing music that wasn't originally created for a video game. So let's say, you, I mean, you can't take the Star Wars theme just because it was in, like, a, you know, a PC game, you know, with, with, the, right. with the Star Wars theme. So, um, but as long as it was created, originally created for a video game, it can be from any video game. It doesn't matter whether it came out in 1984, you know, 85, or whether it came out in 2009. It does not matter. If you want to take a Super Street Fighter 4 theme, you know, when that game comes out and, and we, we have hold of the themes, yeah, do it right now. Like, we have stuff. We just posted something from um, an RPG from the Xbox 360 called Lost Odyssey. It had a soundtrack by the, um, yeah, by the Final Fantasy composer Nobuo Uematsu. 
And that one came out in 08, and we, you know, yeah, we we have no bias at all toward what games get covered. It's all up to the community. And honestly, the reason why we get a lot of old school games is because, you know, that stuff was from a lot simpler time back in the NES days. You know, that's where all the nostalgia is. But also, because those weren't with real instruments, you know, it was with chip tunes and stuff, you can take it and expand it in your own way. Like, you could play it on the guitar. You could play it on the piano. You can do it, you know, jazz. You could do it rap. You know, you could do it whatever style. So there's maybe a lot more flexibility because the melodies are simpler and you can, like, write your own parts to accompany it. But but really, it's just, you know, it's always about what the community feels. Um, that's why, you know, yeah, I mean, we'll get a lot of Mario, we'll get a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog, Mega Man, Street Fighter and stuff, because that's what's hot. But um, but really, any any game is good. And i got to tell you, for, you know, anybody listening out there, um, you know, like I, like I saw, I think, um, who mentioned, somebody was looking for a Super Metroid and stuff like that. Um, we definitely have tons of that, so <laughs> definitely check it out. But yeah, I see uh, there's <laughs> this. Uh, oh, cool! They're talking about all this stuff too. Um, check out any of the remixes from any game, because I'll tell you, Rich. The um, when I first found the site in '02, right? I was poor growing up. I only owned maybe like you know nine or ten games ever growing up. You know, that's like Nintendo, Genesis, and Super Nintendo. And I played, you know, only a little bit of stuff. Like, I played Mario 1, you know, Mario 2, Mario 3, you know, Sonic 1, Sonic 2 and 3, Streets of Rage, obviously Street Fighter 2, we were talking about that, and I love that, um, you know, Punch-Out, that kind of thing. But um, other than that, like, I had not really played that many games growing up. So when I found the site, I, I downloaded maybe like 30 remixes, right, you know, all the stuff that I knew. And then I didn't touch it anymore. And I'm like, oh, I got what I wanted, ah, some nostalgia. Hey, this is a nice site. I'll check it around once or twice. And um, it wasn't until my friend, after I told him about it, because, you know, he played games growing up too, I'm like, hey, check this out, man, it's free. He goes, free? That shit is free? Like, let me get it. He goes, oh, shit, let me get it. So he got everything. He didn't care what it was. He didn't care what game it was. He didn't care what it was. He got it for free. And that was back when we had about 700 um, tracks or so. So I listened to all all the stuff on his computer one summer, and that was when it clicked. Like, whoa, hold on a second. Like, I heard all these great tracks from, like, and you got to understand, again, I never grew up on this, so I never even, like, touched it or played it. Never played Castlevania. Never played Mega Man. Played Metroid maybe, like, once. Didn't play Zelda. <laughs> didn't play, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't touch Act Razor. Like, I didn't play any of that stuff. So... But when I heard the music, I'm like, damn, like, what are these ones? Like, I never heard of this game, but I'm down with that. So there, there are just so many good tracks that you can find on OC Remix as long as you, like, look, just take yourself out of the um, whole thing, like, I'm only going to check out what games I like. Maybe you can start off that way, but I got to say, like, if you find a particular artist you like, like, you like, you were, you were talking about M.I. Evil, you were talking about Necco Frog. Check out all of their stuff, no matter what it was from, and you'll find other good stuff, and that'll help you, like, check out and find more great free music. And so the reason why I'm so kind of like, yo, check it out, check it out, because, well, obviously, you know, I enjoy working on the site, but it's all free. And if you don't like it, throw it away, but, you know, you don't want to miss out on something that's badass just because you don't know what game it's from. Like, don't do that. It's free. No, There's no right. effort involved. I yeah. think that one of the things, one of the things that, people um, lose sight of is the fact that at the end of the day, it's still an art form, regardless of whether it's coming from a game or 
you know, from something that's 20 years old. It's, it's still a music. It's still an art form. It's still something that's, you know, showing creativity and introducing it to the masses in a different way. And one of the things that um, particularly that I was – that I enjoyed just from playing around with the site and was the fact that the community is – you know, I, when I go and I look at a track – there's reviews. People talk about, you know, the production value that goes into the track, what kind of levels were used, what kind of applications were used to create the track, whether it's a more of a synthesized sound, a live orchestral sound. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that the people are so passionate. I mean, one of my, you know, as I got further and further into gaming as I got older, I learned to appreciate so much more of the music. I mean, one of the, one of the music soundtracks that it's in my iPod for the gym – um, is a, a game like Guilty Gear, fantastic oh, nice. soundtrack. Sold nice. The game, you know, it sold me on the game three times more than the gameplay. I mean, the gameplay was fantastic. <laughs> um, the but the music is what made it, man. The music was like one of those things where it's like, wow, this is a, this is a, a awesome jam. This is something that you know I could be running on the treadmill to, or I could right, be like, right, you know, bench it, it was one of those things that I that I enjoyed, and it sold me on the game even more so. And then once once I figured out, you know, hey, I can go online and start getting some of these soundtracks. I think I may have found practically at least twelve different Guilty Gear soundtrack variations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like that, and and the fact that you know you guys you can take one game and pull so many great tracks out of it, you know, just from people just being creative. Is, is a testament to the fact that video games have gone beyond just a form of entertainment. They've become an art form. You see games that are costing as much as movies to be made, and they got scores and, you know, legitimate actors doing voice work. You know, I think that the music sets the tone for the games. And, I mean, you know, one of the most synonymous songs, you know, music ever is from Mario. You know, as soon as you hear, doon, 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 you, know, you know what's coming. There's, right. And no matter... No matter how many versions of Mario you play, that music is timeless. And that's what happens, you know, especially with you guys working on this music. You're helping create timeless tracks that, you know, down the road somebody can be like, hey, man, let me throw on that game, you know, because it will bring back that nostalgia. That's nice, man. I'm telling you, and that's, like, I'm telling you, um, I wasn't even BSing when I was like, oh, Street Fighter is my favorite game. You know what I mean? That was absolutely, Street Fighter 2 was my favorite game growing up, right? So it, it, it kind of goes back to what you're saying about getting the opportunity to create something that's potentially timeless, man. That's a great way of looking at it because, um, you know, for something like Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, when I heard that we were going to have the chance to have our guys do the soundtrack for it, I mean, I was hyped up because, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, right? You know, we're all amateurs, we're all fans, you know, that, are, that really have the yep. love of the music. And, you know, and we put out stuff that, I, that, you know, definitely is up there with professional quality stuff nowadays. Like, some of these guys are really, really strong. But, yep. you know, so it, so it would be cool for OC Remix to get to do a video game soundtrack, like no matter what it was, like a professional video game soundtrack. But to get the opportunity from Capcom and to really, and they really supported us all the way, for them to be like, yo, have at it, you know, here's what we need, and, you know, it's going to be on Street Fighter 2, and it's going to be the, the, the new definitive version of Street Fighter 2, I mean, that's a dream come true for me, even to have my, uh, you know, my name in the credits just for you know, being the assistant soundtrack director and, and helping pull things together, um, 
you know, for the game, that's great, man. That's always going to be there. And I can, I can say I help work on, on Street Fighter. I mean, that, that's unreal, man. I mean, it's, you know, and, you know, if I'm that amped up for the musicians that, you know, they grew up playing it, they get their opportunity to, you know, put their take on a theme in there, that's a dream come true right there, man. That's something you can't take away. Well, one of the things, and, you know, I want to actually uh, throw the number out there. If anybody has any questions for Larry, feel free to call in 347-324-3541 with any questions, comments, or kudos. Uh, with that said, what I wanted to know was, looking back at all the great music you've looked at, what's a game that to you, I mean, before it gets remixed on OC Remix, on OC Remix what is a game to you that has you know, that, that timeless soundtrack that you can play, but you know that the music is just one of those things that encompasses the games so well. What's one of the things you enjoy the most? Um, well, what is it? Before I get to my, my fuller answer, I'll definitely put Street Fighter Two in there because that's definitely a game where, and I'm including, you know, when they had the new challengers, you know, with T-Hawk and Fei Long, DJ and Cami, and then Akuma later and Super Turbo, all of those stage themes are classic, like every single one of them. There's not a weak one in there. So I think that's one great example of just, you know, the music really defining that game. And then I think I'll put up there also um, from Sega, I'll, I'll definitely put Streets of Rage 1 in there as well. And maybe, you know, and, and 2 as well, because 2 was pretty hot. Um, but Streets of Rage was really big for um, for me. That was a big soundtrack. Um, and, you know, when, when I went to college, you know, back in, like, 2000, and, you know, Napster was, like, the big deal, that was the kind of stuff I was looking for, man. I was like, oh, Streets of Rage. <laughs> yep. So that, that was the kind of stuff I was looking for back then. Well, it's funny because now video game music is making its way into a lot of mainstream stuff. You know, you hear some hip-hop tracks, you hear – you know, you'll hear like a little Pac-Man in there. You hear doo 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 doo. You know, you'll hear that. And you know, oh yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know. Oh okay. no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, bro. What I was gonna say was, you know, uh, uh, one group in particular, um, System of a Down, did uh, something with the Zelda music. They did not do. <laughs> wait a minute. 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 Because this is a common. <laughs> That's funny. That's a, that is a very common. Um, a very common urban legend that showed up. You know that's actually one of our remixes, right? Get the fuck out of here. Go to OC Remix. <laughs> hold on a second. Don't lie. This is funny. That's really funny that you mentioned that, right? Everyone thinks, and this is a problem that we had back in the Napster days and like, um, and also like, you know, Audio Galaxy and Kazaa, and that was all hot back then. There is no system of a down Legend of Zelda cover. If you go to OC oh, Remix, shit. right, we... We got the search bar up top. Um, click, click where it says mi the word mixes on the, like the top right, and then type in the word type in the word rabbit. Hold on, let's rabbit. <laughs> and you will you see. You know what's funny? Yeah, because a friend of mine gave it to me. He was like, "Dude, they fucking did." Because you know he had heard it. He had heard me listening to System of a Down one day, and he was like, "Dude, uh, no." Rabbit, <laughs> rabbit, I mean, cover right. Rabbit joint cover, and we add and look DJ Pretzel way back in the day because we he posted this in 2000. Note this remix is not by System of a Down as a few hundred of you have written in suggesting, but by the Rabbit joint as indicated. Please don't mail me. I've checked with the Rabbit joint and verified with two dozen hardcore fans 
on System of a Down's website. This song has been incorrectly labeled as being by System of a Down by someone who perpetuated the error by sharing the file on Napster. Case closed. This track is old, old gold, and we had it first, and it's not by System of a Down. It is by two guys. It is by two guys called the Rabbit Joint from Boston. Oh, well, you know what? Those guys get the plug for the uh, Legend of Zelda remix, the Rabbit Joint. You can find that on ocremix.org. And um, I think we got our first caller that has a question for you, and I think it's uh, one of the uh, staff members, Slick, is on the phone. Oh, nice, man. What's up, dude? What's up? What do you got, man? Slick, man, what's up, my man? What's up? I'm really enjoying your call, man. Um, I just wanted to say, going back to what you said about the possibility of you ever actually doing, like, an actual game soundtrack, like, just really, really just keep at it. I mean, we we have no problem trying to help you promote or anything. Just keep doing what you do because what you do is great. I mean, you look at the Udon crew who did the, the designs for Street Fighter II Turbo Remix. They yep. did a great job. I mean, they designed that freaking game. They they redrew it. And, and it looked because, and it looked awesome, man. And I'll tell you real, real quick though, Slick. I know the now. I remember way back, right? Like I don't know if y'all read Destructoid, like that blog. You know all the blogs, like you know Joystick and Kotaku and that kind of thing, right? Now I remember when the early early art came out, right? And I remember like they had like Ken throwing a fireball, but like his thumb was like positioned wrong and his muscles were all like it was it was like way too over defined right and i was kind of scared <laughs> i was like oh shit because we were on this game but the art was looking a little jacked up i'm like whoa wait a minute man wait a minute <laughs> i'm like wait a minute here we can't have that because you know fans are like pointing out stuff that was weird and, and like wrong but then when they kind of reassessed it when Udon kind of took that step back and we're like, wait a minute, let's kind of simplify it and make sure that everything is on point. Everything just looked so nice. I mean, the finished product is just uh, amazing, man. I'm, I'm, and I'm really glad you're pimping them, Slick, because Udon did an amazing job with the visuals and, and everything came together so nice. Yeah, and the, the problem with me and the audio is I played a hell of a lot of the Turbo Remix, and mm-hmm. Rich will tell you because he's, he's witnessed it. I, I never really get to hear the music too well because we, I was always going back and forth with another guy who sometimes was on the show named Bob. And um, Bob talks entirely too much shit. He just never shuts up. So I never really get to hear the music all that much because <laughs> I, I don't play it single player a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, though. For anybody, um, you know, like I don't know if you've downloaded it yet, but I'll tell you one thing, though. Um, you know, over at OC Remix, for anybody that's, anybody that's listening and wants to check it out, again, all of our music is free. If you type in, um, yes, ocremix.org slash hdremix, and there might be another slash in there or whatever, but ocremix.org slash hdremix. We put out the entire soundtrack for free with Capcom's OK. They were like, yep, that's cool. Let's get it out there. Let's put it out with the fans. Again, it's by fans for the fans. And we've had over... Like, oh, man, I don't even know how many downloads now. Um, but, like, in terms of how many people have gone, like, to the album page, I think it's something like 150,000 or something like that. So, I mean, we put it out there, and um, everybody's responding so well. 
So, I mean, we're glad to do it, man. I definitely hope we get to do another game. Like, you know, I wish I could tell you, like, oh, yeah, you know, like we got, you know, 48 games lined up. But really, I mean, it's it's so much work just putting out the mixes in general. But um, we are working on something like, a, you know, a uh, another project that I'm going to keep, you know, on the down low right now. But it, it's something that, um, you know, if you're a fan of, you know, classic games, I think you're definitely going to be feeling. So, um, but, yeah, hit up that soundtrack. Yeah, it's ocremix.org slash HDRemix, and then there's, like, another slash. So, um, or you can just go on the website and look at our albums um, area, like, you know, and, and, and check it out there. But, um, yeah, man, like, d- definitely get it because that music – oh, it's almost at 200,000 hits on the um, album page. My bad. So that's, nice. that's good. I, I definitely would be. I definitely will be checking it out because before he even started up the My Take Radio again, because you know he had done it before and, and stopped for a while. Richard showed me your site and played a lot of music for me. It's just that me personally, I I just got I just built a new computer. I had kind of an old computer, so I w- wasn't really able to mess with it too tough. And now. Now that I have a new one, I'll be on there a lot more frequently. But um, what I also wanted to say is, like, I know, like, you personally, you're into a lot of the the classic games, and, you know, just about everybody you see in that chat is as well. But what I really like to see, I mean, I'm not, you know, not trying to push you or anything, but what I really would like to see, like, you saw me doing the chat. Yeah. I want to see, like, newer games with the remixes, like, uh, take a few examples. I don't know if you've seen the new Batman game that came out a few months ago, but that had insane music. Like, I, I would love to see you guys do something with that. I know it's all about the thing that makes it harder, per se, like I was kind of mentioning with Rich a little bit earlier, is just because when, um, when you have a track that's more, like, fully fleshed out, you know what I mean, with, like, loads and loads and loads of parts, it's kind of harder to sort of take it and do something different with it because it's already fully developed. So that's why it's so much easier to take the chip tunes where they're super simple instrumentation and then kind of build it out and, like, you know, actually expand it and kind of fill in parts that weren't there. That said, um, yeah, man, I mean, I can totally agree with that in the sense that there's, I think there's always going to be a bias toward the older games. You know, again, because they're simpler and, and they have more nostalgia than, like, something that came out so soon. But at the same time, I mean, you know, we do have a request for them. You know, people are always open to mixing whatever. Like, obviously, when, say, for example, like, Zelda Twilight Princess came out, we got a couple of mixes from that, even though the game was very fresh. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's all about what the community wants to remix. And as much as some people, you know, who really follow the site but may not, you know, uh, like the selection process as much, they'll be like, oh, you know, they're so biased toward the old games, where's the new games? But, you know, it's, it's literally like if the community isn't, isn't choosing to mix them, we're not going to get them. But I, I totally agree with you that we need to um, have some more of those. I think one way we could do that is just being like, look, here's, you know, like because we have a huge discussion forum for anybody that wants to talk, you know, video games in general, you know, music in general, pretty much anything. But we can make a thread where it's just like, okay, what's some good, like, recent video game music that's come out? Let's put a little a little spotlight and a little push on that just so that you're more aware of it. Because, yeah, I mean, honestly, we have a lot of times, Slick, where some people be like, oh, I like this theme. You know, somebody remix it. And, you know, 
a remixer will come and be like, you know what, I never played this game, but I listened to it, and that was pretty cool. So, yeah, I'll do a remix. This is giving me ideas. So, I mean, it might just be as simple as that, kind of just putting more push on that. Definitely, man. I mean, um, I don't know if you if you seen the, the new game, DJ Hero. Say what? Oh, you know what, man? I, it's funny. I was telling Rich when when we were like emailing when I was going to call. Man, I'm so busy and everything. I except for like Street Fighter HD and Street Fighter Four, I almost never play any games ever, man. So I haven't seen a I haven't seen one iota of it. I haven't seen a bit of it. I, I feel bad that DJ AM is not alive anymore. But other than that, I have not seen or heard a peep of DJ Hero, man. But tell me all about it. Well. It's like I'm not saying so much to play it just for you to see it to maybe, you know, maybe a new idea on, you know, a possible remix style. Just the way they do things in that game. I mean, Rich got me the soundtrack for that, and, you know, we could probably hook you up with that as well. It's just the way they, they'll, like, take two different songs and put them together. Because you, you mentioned, like, the difficulty of really mixing something when it's fully fleshed out. And mm-hmm. that game kind of does that with two fully fleshed out songs. Puts them together pretty well. And from what I've seen on the site, you guys could very easily do stuff like that. That's cool, man. That's cool. I know, like, now for DJ Hero, do they take, like, existing mainstream songs and, like, kind of... Do they do traditional yeah. remixes of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, we do don't like, do that. Yeah, go ahead. They'll do um, blending two songs. Yeah, they'll do 50 Cent. They'll do um, Gwen Stefani. They got they got some James Brown in there. You know, they got yeah. some old stuff. They, I mean, the overall presentation, and this is just touching on what Slick was talking about, is, is you know, it's very smooth because, you, you know, you find that, that happy medium between both tracks in terms of, you know, not every song goes well with another song, but once you find into the, you know, once you find some stuff that ties in beat-wise, you can tighten up the track really well. Yeah. Now, I know we, I know um, that as far as our, like, standards go, we have a, we have a, a huge focus on artists kind of building their arrangement from the ground up. So we don't necessarily, well, we don't, like, we don't post mashups where people say, you know, like, they'll take the original Mario theme and then, like, add drums under it or something like that. But there are some that kind of, like, you know, like you're saying, they'll blend other themes, blend different styles and that kind of thing. So hopefully they'll be doing that. And hold on, wait, wait, wait hold on a second. And I'm seeing um, Strider was feeling um, McVoff's Street Fighter Three Third Strike mix of Makoto's theme, and that one's called Jungle Jazz. For anyone that should, uh, well, anyone anyone listening should check that one out because that's a really good kind of jazzy, relaxed piece. I'm seeing that Arcadia is female, and I'm apparently not supposed to find out or because I'm apparently not reading the chat right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that she had no. And it's funny. It's funny because she's actually holding to uh to come on and ask you a question. So. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And, and then, oh, then wait, yeah, she was like, I had no questions, so that was good. Though. But yeah, <laughs> that's so, good that yeah, she's well, a question. She, yeah, she's got one. Um, You got anything else to add, Slick, so we can give her a little burn? No, nah, I'll be back on later. All right, brother. <laughs> it's good, it good, good getting a chance to talk to you, though. Hey, no doubt, man. Same here, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, All thank right, you for listening, man. Definitely. Peace. Peace. <laughs>
All right, Arch, you are on. Why, hello there. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I got to say, you're you're definitely pimping us hard in here. You and Strider are both like, oh, okay, I'm on it. Like, you know, look, I know all these mixes and all these, you know, so. Um, oh, no, honestly, yeah. and oh, go for it, go for it. I was just going to say, I've been a fan of Overclock Remix since about maybe 2001. I've been listening for a Damn. while. Damn. Now, see, you, now you've been a fan longer than I have, because, you know, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even create the site. That was all that was all DJ Pretzel, so that's hilarious. You're, you're worse than I am. You see that? I mean, it's, it's, it's very intermittent now. I, you know, real life catches up with you and whatnot, but um, I that's when I found the site way back when. Um, lived in Florida for a while. There's a nice little circle around here of gamers and nerds and geeks and all that, and then you start passing shit around like, oh, wait, go to Overclock Remix. All right. That's oh, I'm yeah. Doing. And no, and the cool thing, though, right, like, because I know I, I definitely hear, you know, we've been around for such a long time. We'll have people been like, Oh, yeah, man, I was way into it way back. You know, I just kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah, like you're saying, real life catches up with you. And um, the good thing, though, especially now with BitTorrent out there, you know, you can grab everything and just catch right back up. You know, you can always get it. And now it's at about, oh, I don't know, I think about 7 gigs or so worth of stuff. And that's not even counting the um, the free albums either. That's just the individual remixes. So, I mean, you know, anytime you want to get, you know, get back on the train right there, you know, Definitely, you know, check those out. And I'm glad you're still, you know, listening to some of it. So, wait, am I seeing you're in Iraq? Is that true, for real? No, 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 no. they're making <laughs> calling on my phone. I was like, what the hell? Are you playing six days in Fallujah or some shit? <laughs> I don't know. All right. <laughs> no, uh, but um, real quick though, my particular area where I like to like you know, search for songs and stuff, I love the Mega Man remixes. I love the Chrono Cross remixes. Uh, Secret of Mana, huge fan of that. You know, that's kind of what I look for. So it's, it's a slow process. The only a- um, albums I have, so to speak, was uh, Relics of the Kozo, the Super Metroid uh, album. Uh huh. Uh huh. Those are the two that I have. But uh, again, it's a process. Wait, wait. What was it? What was the other one? You had Relics, and then what was the other one? Uh, Blood on the Asphalt. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, hey. I'm glad you got that one. Well, I will tell you though, since you like Mega Man. We j- I don't know if you were looking at the homepage just as a matter of, you know, since I was on the uh, on the show with Rich, but we just early, early, early today, now technically it's the 20th for, for me, but early um, today we just posted a badass Mega Man 3 remix by Arrow Z. It's called Ravaging Reptiles, a Snake Man theme remix. It's a badass chiptune thing. It, it kicks ass, and if you have subwoofers, it's really nice. Oh, God. <laughs> If you get some remixes at the top, man, I'll be all over that shit. But Snake Man, oh Oh, man, Top Man, that now that is something that does not get a lot of attention. Top Man, wow, that's the best fucking song on there. That needs to be done. Wow, we I mean we have one we have one track by Game Over, the Swedish band Game Over called Cataclysmic Clash and um it does use Top Man stage. So you should definitely check that one out. That one came out in 04. That came out, yeah, that came out right right after I joined the judges panel. So yeah, that's about 5 5 and 5 years and some change. Wow, that's a long time. But um you definitely got to check out though don't forget to check out those ones that aren't from games you played. But you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna trick y'all. I'm gonna get all of y'all like hardcore 
<laughs> into that stuff as well. I should throw out some suggestions just randomly. But um but Arcady, like, you know, have you seen our YouTube channel at all? Haven't seen the YouTube channel yet, no. Oh, okay. I mean I'm just kinda of throwing it out there. Like, um we just you know, it was there were so many things on YouTube where, you know, people like our mixes, so they post them up just like, oh, I'm trying to spread it, you know, this is cool. But we never actually did it ourselves. The people were getting, like, hundreds of thousands of views off it. We're like, wait a minute, those are hundreds of thousands of views. So, <laughs> so now we put every, we literally put every remix on YouTube. O'Malley said Splatterhouse a billion times. I don't know if that's referring to the, the jizz in your Mario boxers, apparently. Oh, my um, God. No, he's, uh, he, I actually just caught that. Fucking Strider. I'm gonna fucking kill him before he goes into basic. But um, um, I was well, I, Splatterhouse game actually. Well, we I was gonna say though we got one and man, you know we 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 just had Halloween a couple weeks ago. We got one one. We only got one from the Splatterhouse series, but we got one by my man Rich Douglas, who's a professional game composer based out of Texas. He's awesome. It's it's kind of an orchestral mix from Splatterhouse Three. He should definitely check that out because it's it's really badass, and um, it's called Call of the Mask. It's really scary, like stuff. Per- it would have been perfect Halloween music. My fault for not showing it to him earlier. So, but but check that one out because we do ha- we do have one. Nintendogs, look at this. I'm looking at all these requests now. Nintendogs needs to be remixed. Hell yes. And then Qbert, we have one <laughs> remix of it way back by Mustin, who's a classic OC remixer. And shit, you know, guys, I didn't even mention, um, we, do have, oh, we do have over 550 different games represented. So, you know, if you're looking for, like, you know, Double Dragon or, you know, whatever, we, we might have it. So definitely check it out. <laughs> Sorry, Arcady, did you have any more questions, though? I feel like I'm, I'm just I'm blabbing away. Uh, it's all right, man. What do you got? Anything else? I had a question, yeah, because I didn't even get the answer yet because I was just, you know, <laughs> giving whatnot. But um, anyway, it's actually kind of a two-part question. In all Go right. Judging, Go for it. In all of your judging, there had to be the one song where you got that visceral reaction to where you just went, oh, my God, just like I just did when you told me about the Snake Man remix. What was that song for you? And mm. the, other, the other part of that because you get to, you know, hear the, all the onslaught that comes in. What was the worst remix where you said, oh, man, we, we can't put this on our site? <laughs> well, I will tell you, um, I'll, actually give you the, I'll actually give you some of the statistics on that first. Um, we reject anywhere, we, we range about 80 to 85% of everything that's sent in gets rejected. We have a really high. We have a we have a really high bar, and some people do not like that because they feel like, well, you know, OC Remix is so popular. You guys should just post everything because it's popular, and that actually defeats the that defeats the whole point of having a high bar. We're popular because we have a high bar. You know what I mean? Like we're we're respected because we have a high bar. We got to do Street Fighter because we have a high bar. We're not gonna like dramatically lower the bar. Um, that said, it's a great environment for amateur musicians who really are serious about learning because there's remixing forums, there's places to get help. So if you want to learn and you have the aptitude for it, you have the ear for making music, I'm not claiming I do. I can listen to it, but I, can't, I, don't, I couldn't make it. But um, 
you know, if you have the aptitude for it, we got a great community that will help you learn. Um, that said, we reject about 80 to 85%, so I've heard so, so many bad ones. Um, the one that DJ Pretzel likes to point out, um, and this is, de- and I was the one that originally heard it, so I can, uh, I could definitely attack. Oh, no, 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 it might have been back before I was the head um, evaluator, but it was, someone took the choke of, uh, yeah, a, uh, oh, God, it, I, it wasn't the Chocobo theme. Someone took a, no, no, it was the Chocobo theme. It was the Chocobo theme from Final Fantasy VII. It was like one of the slow ones, like, I don't know, like, Drunk Chocobo or Fat Chocobo or Jazzy Chocobo. I don't know, right? But anyway, they took that and they had it playing, you know, like in the left stereo field. And then in the right stereo field, they had the same exact music playing, but on like a two-second delay. And that was it. And they sent it in and called it a remix. And I was like, what the fuck is that? That's not, you can't do that. That's not, that's not anything. First, it sounded like garbage. And second, you can't just take the original audio and then like barely touch it and then call it a remix. We have people who don't read our instructions and they'll do that all the time. Like, they'll take it and just, I don't know, slap some like bootleg default drums from like, FL Studio under it and send it in, and we don't take it. Um, we man, we get some egregious stuff. I, I like there. I've literally, I'm not even lying. I've gone through maybe three thousand songs in the five years that I've, you know, done it. And uh, God, there's some. <laughs> I don't know. We we. I usually just kind of throw them away. They're so bad. Uh, <laughs> as but that was the most. That was the most egregious rejection I've ever heard in my life because it was just kind of. Just, I, I don't know what they sent me. I don't know why they thought that would make it. And um, a little bit, like, sort of unspecific, but one of the funnier things we get, and this is no hate, you know. I like people that have confidence. I like people that feel like they're winners. I'm all good with that. We're not there to, like, ba- you know, dash your dreams to get on OC Remix. But at the same token, we get so many letters, and it's usually from people who've never submitted music before. They'll go... Yeah, yeah, sending this stuff. It took me a long time to make it. Can't wait for it to go up on the site. Well, you know, I'm excited oh, when boy. it goes up on the site. And it doesn't go up on the site because it just wasn't, it, it really wasn't that strong. And that was maybe like the first remix they've ever made. And, you know, if you've been around the community, you'll know that the first thing you make is probably not going to be that good. You're learning, Hell you know. No. Like, there's no, yeah, there's no hate. It's just you're learning, man. You're not that proficient yet. So we get a lot of that where people are super jazzed, like, oh, this is going to be on OC Remix, and <laughs> it doesn't make it. And oftentimes we don't hear from those people ever again. I don't know if they're mad or just kind of, like, forgot about the site and don't care that bad or whatever, but... Um, you know, we don't really get that many mean comments like, oh, you know, F you for not taking it. But, um, you know, we, we do get a lot of sort of newcomers that have never touched anything. They send it in and think it's going to be right there, up there with, like, these awesome tracks you're hearing. And it's just nowhere near that level. Um, and I will say this before I answer the, the second part of the question, Arcady. Um for anybody that's thinking, you know what, I might try that, you know, or, you know, but, or, or I'd love to do that, but I don't know how to make music and I never played anything before. I will just mention, though, again, um, we, we are a great resource for learning how to make remixes and how to make music in general. And you also don't need a background in making music. Like, obviously, we have people that have played instruments growing up. You know, we have people that have, have you know, no music theory and all that kind of thing. But we also have remixers who have started 
completely from scratch, like no background and no formal education. And because they had an ear for it and could learn, you give them like two to three years and they're making A-level stuff that could be in professional works. You know what I'm saying? Like they're at that level. So if you have the dedication and you really want to do it, you could be at that level too and there's nothing stopping you. Now, um, now that said, let me think. Um, a mix that was so super badass that it blew me away. And, like, you know, I, I will get to a specific answer, so don't think I'm copping out real quick. But I, I just want to – so don't think I'm copping out, y'all. But Yeah, um, I'm listening to make sure. <laughs> but we have, especially at this stage of the game, like where, you know, again, the bar has gone high. You know, it's pretty high. It's not going to get much higher in terms of, like, what the cutoff is for something making it onto the website. Um, you know, we're at a very reasonable rate where you don't have to be a professional, you know, and we're not saying it has to sound professional. We have a lot of remixes that don't, you know, they're more sort of on the, the creative the creative arrangement side than the production side. But that said, it's, it's a pretty high bar. Stuff is going to be pretty good. So every remix that we post, it's not just a plug just to ask people to check them out, but every remix really has some value where it's like, if you skip it, you could miss out on something very badass. Now, obviously, some of the stuff from 10 years ago, we were just a new website. I wasn't even around at the time. Maybe I would have been like, nah, don't post that. But um, some of the stuff way, way back when it was just a very early concept and, you know, it was just trying to get off the ground, yeah, like some of that stuff would never make it today. And that's, that's cool. You know, it, it, we're not going to, like, pretend our history isn't there. Like, we're still proud of that stuff. But the stuff nowadays, like, literally every song is awesome, like, you know, whether or not I voted for it. Um, now, as, for, as far as the specific, um, oh, there's one right there. Um, all right, my man Zircon, um, Andrew Aversa. This dude is a jack of all trades. He's only like, oh, Jesus, how old is he now, man? He was born in... Uh, 87, I think. Yeah, man, he's only like 20, 22, 23, getting around there. He's he's really young, um, and um, he he's in the Philly area. He's also a college professor now. Like he got his, you know, he got his degree, and now he's a music professor. It's crazy. I'm like, how to make music for games? Because this dude is a sponge. He made a really awesome jazz mix of the Sega game called Fantasy Star Online. It's a, it's like an RPG and stuff. I never played it, but he did kind of a really. Oh, yeah, he did like a pro he did like a progressive jazz piece called Raggle Weather. That's really really awesome. Um, it was just kind of a blowaway track, and the thing that really caught my attention the most was the drum work. And the reason was is because he actually made the drum kit that he used. Like he developed the drum kit himself and produced it, and made his own drum samples. Like he hired dudes to make the drum, you know, to play it in the studio, and like he tweaked it and made his own old-school drum samples, and it, it, it's really badass. Oh, another one, let me point out, that's really badass, all right? We, we kind of pimped this in a big way on, like, Facebook and Dig and all that. It's this Legend of Zelda mix of the main Zelda theme called Zelda Heineken. It's by Matthias Holmgrim. He's, he's over in Europe, and he literally made the entire remix by sampling sounds from blowing on a Heineken bottle. Oh, shit. And he also used the cap, like he, you know, like tapped the cap on the table and stuff. So it uses the whole bottle. And, and he even had a, a, a little brief clip of him drinking from the bottle. <laughs> so, like, drinking That's the beer cool. and going, ah, it's awesome. Look up Zelda, Google it, Zelda Heineken. 
It's really badass. Um, those, you know, and I could put, we really, I'm, I'm, I'm not just bullshitting, like, we really have a lot of remixes like that with really unique ideas, and we're at that stage now where pretty much everything is, like, really fresh and, and really creative, so, and those are some stuff that go, like, way, way out there, but, um, yeah, Zelda Heineken and Raggle Weather from Fantasy Star Online, those are definitely some really cool ones, um, that I would point out now, and honestly, like, you know, Talk to me in like a month, and I'll have a couple more, or you know, talk, you know, or ask me again, like, oh Jesus, there's another one. If you played the Adventures of Bayou Billy, it was oh, on the God. Nintendo back. In, if it was on Nintendo back in the day, check yep. out this one. It's called yeah, it's called El Lagarto. It's Spanish for alligator. It's an amazing, high energy, professional sounding jazz piece. I don't think any of it is played live, but it sure as hell sounds like it's played live. And um, it's just amazing, really, really high-energy jazz, like really high-energy. Again, it's from The Adventures of Bayou Billy. It's called El Legarto by, um, by the Evil Horde from Finland. Man, this dude, is he's a beast. He's like Brock Lesnar. He's a beast. So, like, this dude. <laughs> yeah, man, well, you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, we're, we might even, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, cut me off whenever, but. Um, you know, if, if you if you haven't talked about wrestling yet, I'll definitely stick around for a little bit of that oh, yeah. and talk about yeah, that. Definitely, I definitely want yeah. to get to that. But I wanted to take Ark's call because I know that as a fan, she um, you know, she definitely had her spin on it, and I'm more and I knew she she had to have a question. That's why I said I'm like, you gotta have something, you know. Because oh, she definitely. Sent me, she sent me tracks. You know, she sent me tracks from you guys, so I knew that you know I'm like, all right, she she knows you know about this just to, you know just as much if not more to some extent so it, it was good that you know she called in ark you know you're like i said you're more old school than i am you know you found it before i did <laughs> i'll tell you that i guess i don't know oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i like strider i like strider commenting yeah dude bayou billy was hard i played that once you know, that once was enough for me. Not not that I dislike the game, but, man, I know when I'm beat, when I'm a little kid. I know I can't play that game. F that. You're talking to an 80s baby, so you know, you know, it, the, there were some Nintendo games that were just beyond ridiculous in terms of just difficulty. I mean, there's there's new games now, you know. You go into Ninja Gaiden, you go into Demon Souls, Dragon Age, newer stuff, and people just, you know, you fling your controller through, through a window or through your television. I think I snapped one Nintendo controller in half playing Super Mario 2. Damn, no way. Dude, okay, wait a minute. Mario 2, let me just tell one thing real quick, right? Now, my twin brother, right, he wasn't a big gamer or anything like that, but, you know, we were, my twin brother, you know, we were twins. You know, we had the NES and everything. We would always be playing together and everything like that. And um, I beat Mario 1 first. And I beat Mario three first, but for but one time when he um, he went to a different school for me though, right? And he had a vacation a different time for me. So one time he had like a week off for vacation while I was at school, and he beat Mario two before I did, and I was so goddamn pissed because I'm like, God damn it, I'm the I'm the one, I'm the better one. I was so mad. <laughs> but of course, when I saw the yeah, but when I saw the ending, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I, I was hyped up. I couldn't be mad that long. Um, and, um, I saw Mortis Pimp, um, a Streets of Rage 2 track that we have, um, Above Reason by Tefnek and Zircon. That is definitely another hot one. Like, if you're kind of, 
if you're into big beat, you know, like big drums, you know, kind of a cool um, groove like that, that's really badass. Um, Mortis is saying you need to end the show with, let me see which one, 866, which one is that? Oh, Master of Flame. Okay, I know it. Oh, no, 886. Hold on a second. That's uh, Mega Man 6. Hold on. So 886 is... Oh, okay. See, he's a big Streets of Rage fan. Ending theme reflecting mix by Reza. And then... Oh, yeah, thanks to Slick for pimping uh, Zelda Heineken. Yeah, man. Zelda Heineken is sick, dude. Like, he's putting that link in there. Definitely go get it. (laughs) Go get it. it. It's really cool, man. I mean, I think... That was that was definitely just something where when it showed up in my inbox, I'm skeptical. Like, what? How are you going to do that? And, and you know, I knew Matias before because he had submitted some stuff way back in the day, and I saw I saw some links for um, Wiley Haunt's Flashman, which is a badass rock Mega Man mix that he made way back. So I know he he's got skills, but I had no clue how you're going to make a damn song out of a, a beer bottle. And I mean, yeah, that's creative, man. <laughs> I I personally. I like that, but that's the creativity that it does, and I think, um, not for nothing, I don't want to lose sight. I know Ark is still there. Did you have anything else, Ark, to add? I don't think so. I mean, we could be here all day talk about our favorites and stuff. I'm looking at my list right now, and I got some just, you know, just looking at me, but at the same time, I know you have your show, so I, I think I got all my major questions in, and I was happy to talk and, you know, get my two cents in and whatnot, so. Oh no! I mean, that, thank you so much. I mean, like, it's, and again, I don't even make any of the music. I just kind of help select what what goes on the site, and you know, I'm in, I'm in charge of that process. But there's a whole team of us. There's like ten of us that help do that. And then DJ Pretzel is the one that literally he he posts, you know, all the remixes and writes about them and everything like that. And um, I mean, it's. It, you know, it, it's weird, you know, like, you, you go out there, you put stuff on the Internet, and, you know, obviously we know people are checking it out, but just to be able to talk to you guys and, you know, just shoot the shit about it and know that you like what we're doing, it, it's it's awesome, man. It's a great feeling. Well, if anything, you know, you're representing, you know, the whole uh, the website right now, and I think you're doing a fantastic job of that, so, you know. Take it as it is. Oh, no doubt. Thank you. And um, for anybody that's checking around um, OC Remix, I will mention, because, you know, I I, I definitely need to mention um, that DJ Pretzel, you know, David Lloyd, who started the website, um, you know, back in 99, um, the website looks awesome. Like, that's just my personal opinion. Maybe, you know, you could go on there and be like, I hate it. But really, I think it looks awesome. It's laid out well. We just had a new, we had a new redesign come out about a month ago that kind of, you know, polish it up a little bit more um, with his work. He does like 99% of the coding and design and implementation of the website. Like some people think we have like kind of a team, you know, of people that all like help to put that together in terms of, you know, what it looks like and, you know, our database where, you know, you can go on the remix and then click on the name of the game and then find all the remixes from that game and, you know, and all that stuff. That was all his programming and his idea and so, you know, definitely credit where credit is due. Like, OC Remix exists because of DJ Pretzel and, you know, all the great work put into it. You know, so on the one hand, there's no site without him. And then, of course, on the other hand, you know, I'm just a judge. Um, you know, all the music comes from the hundreds and hundreds. You know, we have over 550 musicians so far, and, you know, we're, we're edging towards 600. And, I mean, they make it what it is, man. We wouldn't have any content without them, and they make it a cool place to just come by and, you know, pick up free music, but also, like, you know, hit the nostalgia and, you know, learn more about other games and and all that, man. So it's just, you know, there's so many people involved. 
All right, Art. Thanks for the call. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, you got it. Oh. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Zelda That's Heineken cool. remix equals the Blue Man Group drunk. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? It's you know the 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 chat always gives a lot of material. The two other two, two things I wanted to touch on with you. Um, BG Frequency. I, oh, my old radio I show. That. Yeah, I came across that. Let's uh, give me a, give it, give the listeners and give me a little insight on that. I mean, I went through the site um, earlier this week, and you know, I, I really wanted to ask you about that because that looks like it's more of a labor of love project from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I don't get as much time to um, blog as much as I should be, but if you go to vgfrequency.com, that's like my little hangout on the web where I, um, you know, talk about video game music, and we we have other people that are involved in there. Um, right now, I do a right now I do a podcast with my friend Kyle Kraus um, called Nitro Game Injection, where we talk about video game music and and uh, you know play lots of stuff for about you know an hour and a half, two hours. And that's on KNGI.org. That's the website for that. Again, that's called Nitro Game Injection. But, um, but VGFrequency.com, um, it's up there because originally when I went to um, Emory University in Atlanta, um, you know, that was how I found out about OC Remix. A friend of mine at the student radio, radio station told me about it when I became a DJ. Um, and, you know, I, I was playing video game music on college radio before I ever heard of OC Remix, so I was already, like, down, you know, and back in the day, you know, again, this is like, um, this is like, uh, 2001, uh, for me, yeah, I think around that time, and, um, you know, like I mentioned, you know, I would get stuff off Napster, you know, like Streets of Rage and all that. And another thing that I was big into was um, Capcom versus SNK. Like, I'm really big into the Capcom fighting games on a big, big level. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. You're talking to a guy yeah. that owns their art books, that owns every every type of, of game they've ever put out, with the ex- excluding Street Fighter 2010 for Nintendo. But everything, <laughs> else is pre- everything else is pretty much fair game in my life. Street Fighter 2010, nice dude. Well, I know. I will say on, on a quick side note because um, uh, we we were all talking about um, how Udon is is so badass. And um, man, when I went to Screw Attack Gaming Convention in Dallas on um, in July for that, we got to present with Ray um, Jimenez from Capcom about the creative process of um, of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, and it was awesome. But um, I got to see the um, the uh, the Darkstalkers. Art book, that was really badass too. Um, I got to see a little bit of stuff from that. No, I'm sorry, my my bad. Um, Screw Attack, we got to present with Ray, but I actually, I'm sorry, I saw the um, Dark Stalkers art book by Udon at um, Penny Arcade Expo in Seattle, and that is just amazing. Like totally worth the money, man. Like I, I, if I wasn't like, you know, like, oh, I gotta keep, I gotta keep these two nickels right here. I would have gotten that joint because it, it was amazing. So their art is phenomenal, and they're really now like they're t- with these art books. They're really tapping into the community, the art community on like deviant art and all that stuff. Like all the fans as well. You know, similar to how OCR is doing it. You know, Udon is also. You know, they have their pro stuff, but they're really soliciting pro-level artists from the fan community, and that, that's really badass. But um, So anyway, going back to my college radio show, um, I would play stuff, you know, like Streets of Rage and everything, and um, GoldenEye 007, that was another one from the N64 where I just loved oh, yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I <laughs> that game. Well, that game. You know, that game was like a perfect ten. I love that game. I could still play that stuff. Um, so you know, I'd be playing all kinds of stuff. And my friend told me about um, OC Remix. And once I got heavy into that, I kind of evolved the radio show format into VG Frequency, where you know I became really friendly with the artists from OC Remix. So you know, like. Um, you know, like uh, way back in the day, it was like kind of Analog and, and Overcoat and uh, McVoff, a little bit, Disco Dan, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I would play their their video game remixes. I would play original video game music. I would play original non-video game music by the by the remixers. So, like, Disco Dan had a couple of, you know, pieces he wrote himself. You know, so I really had a big, like, spread, and just the show kind of grew and grew and took off, and it was sort of the unofficial radio show of Overclock Remix. So, like, every Saturday night, I would have a big chat group on, like, AOL, you know, on, like, AIM and stuff. And, um, and yeah, and then eventually, like, IRC, which is another chat client, and it would be, like, appointment radio in our community to, to come over and listen. And, you know, and, and then eventually I did, started doing inter, interviews, and I would do regular interviews with people. And it became, like, a really big thing. And once I graduated from college, I was still in Atlanta and did it for, like, another year. So, you know, I kind of kept that going. But once I um, stopped doing that, I was kind of like, well, well, damn, I got all this energy, man. What, what am I going to do? So... Um, VGFrequency.com was there, and I and I do like you know some album reviews every once in a while. I have friends of mine come and do album reviews, um, just news about what's going on at OC Remix, of course, but you know also what's going on with like other other bands, you know, because um, you know there's there's a bigger community out there outside of OC Remix. Um, you know, we can't literally house every video game remix ever made. So there's a lot that, you know, if, if you're big into bands, there's stuff like Dwelling of Duels. I don't know if you've heard of that, Rich, but, um. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really, that's another awesome site. It's at dod.vgmix.com. So, you know, there's Dwelling of Duels. There's, if you're into the European side, like if you play Commodore 64, there's remix.qued, kwed.org. So, like, there's all these other communities out there. And, you know, I just I just like talking about them. Like, I was so connected into that that I just kept wanting to post news about it. Um, I don't get to update it as frequently as I'd like to, and I almost sort of, you know, now with Twitter out there, it's so easy to just kind of like, oh, a couple characters oh, post yeah, the Michael link and bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really big into that now. Um, so I still, you know, we do VG Frequency um, every once in a blue um, especially when Kyle um, has a new Nitro Game Injection show with me. And um, so you can follow that. You can follow VGFrequency.com and, and read read on that and check that out. And then there's also Twitter.com slash OC Remix. And obviously when we post new music, you know, there are updates on there. When, um, you know, just whenever stuff is going on that's cool with video game music, I'll post about it. You know, if fans have questions, like I'm the guy that runs that whole thing, the the Twitter account. So if anybody has questions about OC Remix or just or you know even negative shit about OC Remix, we're not perfect. So if you have negative stuff that you want to go over, let me know. I'll try and answer your questions as best as possible. You know, if you oh, yeah, want to I mean, help. You know, I got, yeah, I, I communicated with you through Twitter, you know, and that was you know what, Twitter's been a, a great medium for the show. I mean, one of the things is that you know I felt that it, it would it would only be the right thing to do. Not only that. You know, my show covers video games, and you know, a, a big chunk of the of my demo that listens to the show are gamers. But it's also the fact that 
you know, if you guys are, pu- you know, putting out all this music and putting in all this work and I am using it, it would only be fair and it would be, uh, you know, an, an honor to pay it forward by having you guys on. That's why, you know, I went and I did the research and I saw the, uh, the thing with, v- with uh, VG Frequency. And now that I know about Nitro Game Injection, you know, I want to put that on the site and plug that because, you know, we're all in this not only just because we enjoy hearing ourselves talk, but we're in there to, we're in this to, you know, spread a message about all of our interests. And, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you go back and video game music was something that was just associated with video games. You know, now it just ties in like, you know, there's music that, like, for instance, you take a game like God of War, you take a game like Halo, um, you go into even even older stuff, you go into older Castlevania, and these are games that, you know, that music, is it sets the tone for the game. That's the type of, of music that, you know, it's like when you go into, when you were playing Mario and that music changed for the boss, you're like, ah, oh, shit. And it's one of those <laughs> things that, you know, we all, we're all doing different things. You know, we're all on the grind hustling for different reasons trying to push our message forward and i think that you know you guys are are doing a fantastic job and it's not even because you're on the show but just the fact that you guys are killing it in terms of doing you know doing the music in for gaming justice you know because too often you know you look at the gameplay and the gameplay's pivotal and the story is pivotal but if you have that background that sets the tone you know it makes the gaming experience more enjoyable i mean like i said you know the music sets the pace that's what that's what gets you amped you know yeah and definitely like and there's also like let, let's not forget sort of the flexibility of game music because you know obviously not all not all game music is good enough necessarily to listen to outside of the game but there's a lot of us where we get super deep into it man we're like you know what i'm listening to it you know on my mp3 player i'm loving it you know and you know there are a lot of remixes where you know, they wouldn't fit in the original game, but, you know, for people that are super, super nostalgia freaks, right, we'll get fans that are like, well, it doesn't, like, this remix doesn't sound like how it would in the game, and they get mad, and they get mad because it's not like a one-for-one carbon copy of the, of the style, you know, like, if we do the Mario theme, but it's, you know, there's a good one um, on the site by M.S. Mehowicz, um, called the Italian Plumber. It's actually used in um, There Will Be Brawl. Like I don't know if you've you've seen that. It's like a um, yes. it's like a sort of real life sort of series. Yeah, it's like a sad rendition of the Mario theme on a violin. Yep. And um, yeah, I saw and, that on um, on Newsgrounds. They had that. Yeah, on on Newgrounds. Yeah, on Newgrounds. Whoops. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so for example, right, you hear that Mario theme, right? It's super sad, right? But some people. Yep. I, I'm just sort of, it's like a hypothetical right there, but we have people do it with our remixes all the time. They go, oh, well, it doesn't sound upbeat and happy, so I don't like it. Like, it needs to remind me, it needs to be specifically the same style as the original game, and that's not what we're about. Like, obviously, we have remixes like that, but it's about showing how flexible the music is. You can take a happy theme and make it sad. You can take a soft theme and make it tough. You know, you can you can do a lot of things with it. It's showing the flexibility and that this music is as good as any other music out there. And so we we definitely hope that we're doing that. Oh, you guys you guys are doing a bang up job and you know, given given that you guys have you know, help set the tone for this show with the, with the jams that you provided. You know, as as not even as a courtesy, but just in, in terms of you know, 
helping fellow guys on the grind, you know, we will, you know, My Take Radio will will work, you know, to promote you guys, you know, whether on the site or on Facebook, through the fan page or wherever, on Twitter, you know, you guys, you guys will get the promotion, not even because you were on here, because you, if you've heard old shows, you know, I, I, I plugged you guys regardless. I have, I have, and I've heard them, man. I definitely heard them, man. I appreciate it. I'm sure MI Evil would appreciate it too. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But um, with with that said, I think I think we we've run the gamut on gaming stuff. But uh, no doubt, no doubt. And I, and I see, I see. Wait, hold on. And I see Mortis is pimp. Thanks, Mortis, for the Twitter pimp. Thanks very much, man. Are, are we gonna get into some uh, some wrestling? The fake. Oh wrestling? yeah, I wanna. Yeah, I wanna. I wanna hear your. I wanna hear your. Uh, uh, your thoughts on, on on wrestling as a whole, especially since you were telling me that you've been watching it uh, for so many years, because right now, you know, I do the wrestling segment on the show, and, you know, it doesn't, I don't feel I give it the attention it deserves, but I just feel that the product is really shitty, because it's, it's the same recycled shit over and over and over again, and, you know, give it, talking to another longtime fan, are you feeling the same way? Like, you know, like, do you see it the same, or, or are you kind of like, eh, you know, it's a little, it's a little shitty period, a little improved? Well, you know, I mean, um, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, you know, my nickname on OC Remix is, um, is Lion Tamer. Like, you know, obviously I'm Larry OG, yeah, and that's, that, yeah, exactly. See, now you know, you definitely know. You've been listening to, you, or you've been watching wrestling long enough to know that that, that was Chris Jericho's old move back in, right, in, in WCW. Yeah, before the before he turned it into the walls of Jericho, so that was actually right. my nickname because when he went when he jumped to WWF back in '99, he was my favorite guy by far, <laughs> Jericho man. So originally my nickname online, my handle was Y2J Lion Tamer, and um, yeah. So, but of course, you know, like after you have that for a little while and you you get kind of like older and, and less noob and all that, you're like. Uh, that sounds a little lame. So I dropped the Y2J, and now I'm just Lion Tamer, which is, like, simpler. It sounds like a real nickname and all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, no, in terms of, like, the, the business in general, I've been watching it since 1990, like, early 1990. Um, you know, I watched what I could, you know, a, a, a lot of, of WWF, you know, back in the day, World Wrestling Federation and, and WCW, of course. And um, I don't know, I mean, I used to write for a website, um, it was called latestwrestlingnews.com back in like 99 to, to 2001, and um, you know, I, I, I love wrestling. I don't know, man, I, I think it just get, it gets kind of cyclical. Um, I don't get to watch it as regularly as I'd like to right now, only because I, I don't even have cable, you know, like I would go and just kind of download the shows and, and watch them that way off like Pirate Bay and just catch up on that stuff. Um, I did, though, I was on a business trip um, earlier this week and so you know i'm staying in a hotel and i got to check out raw at msg um this monday and um fantastic yeah and so like the the only things that were kind of missed were like roddy piper was kind of just rambling man like he wasn't on his a game there he like he didn't really have the crowd with him i thought he didn't even get a big pop when he came out i was like damn like (laughs) uh, maybe it was just the tv i had but I was like, he didn't get the pop, man. Like, only when Vince McMahon came out did he get a huge, did a, you know, the crowd really kind of start, get unglued. Well, you know but, what, um, and, and this is the thing, they were saying that, you know, Piper, Piper wasn't the first choice to host it. The original rumor was that they wanted to get one of the Yankees to host it. And, you know, oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, was, well. Like, All right, we'll throw a hot rod in there. You know, but yeah. I'm more than sure he wasn't happy. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but I will give WWE credit in the sense that they do have, like, legends they can always dip into for the for the Raw guest host when they can't, you know, when a celebrity appearance falls through. So, you know, that's at least something that they can fall back on. Like, you know, when the, when Dusty Rhodes was on there, he was a, you know, substitute as well. And, they, you know, they can make it work. Um, I think overall, though, right, because when I used to write for um, a website about wrestling, I was super cynical, too, like, you know, back in, like, 99, 2000, I'm like, oh, damn, you know, they really need to push Jericho, and, you know, we got Benoit in there, and, you know, like, they really need to push him and the Radical, you know, Guerrero, they really need to push these dudes, like, a lot faster, like, let's go now, and let's do it now, and... Uh, I think, you know, it's easy to get cynical. I'm definitely not saying WWE is doing a great job right now. But I think over time, you know, like, look, I mean, a couple years ago, everyone's like, oh, Triple H is super stale. And, of course, he's super stale right now. You know, I can't believe, dude, uh, I I, I segue a lot. I kind of, like, get into a lot of tangents. But (laughs) speaking of Triple H, back when I became Y2J Lion Tamer Online, my other alternate that I was going to pick, because this was right after Triple H won the title, the First time, I was going to name, my, my other name was going to be Triple H Champ. I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't pick, I'm so glad I didn't pick Triple H Champ. <laughs> well, you know I got, funny? Yeah. Those guys, those guys, you know, they get, and, and it's funny that you bring up Triple H, he's a good example, and I'll tell you, just from watching it over the years, and, you know, I've, um, you know, I, I, I watch uh, TNA, TNA's actually become a better wrestling organization recently, and um, I used to watch on HDNet Ring of Honor, which is fantastic. Those guys are... You, are, used, you used to watch it on HDNet? Yeah, because I, I'm in New York, and what ended up happening was Time Warner Cable... Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, no problem. But, but Ring of Honor, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, CM Punk, Samoa Joe... Um, you know, you go through some of those guys that are that are key players in the wrestling business now. They came out of Ring of Honor because you know you hone mm-hmm. your craft there. And you know TNA, yeah. I like because they give the smaller guys a lot of burn. The thing that's killing me with WWE and and in previous broadcasts, you know, people will hear my disdain and and you know I when I re-listen to them sometimes it, it upsets me because I'm like fuck man I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm a hardcore wrestling fan. I watch the stuff day in and day out. But you know what? There's a time and a place when you just go, you know what? This is the same shit every week. Like, sometimes I watch three hours of Raw on Fast Forward. Because it's like, all right, here comes the Triple H promo. Up here comes the DX promo. Here comes John Cena screaming into the fucking TV. All right, all right. You know, and sometimes I'll just delete them because I get so frustrated with the product. Yeah, um, I, I just want to, hold on, Bef- before I respond to that, I see everyone's kind of fighting, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I brought Chris Benoit up, because now, now they're all fighting in there like, you know, well, you know, Benoit's a good wrestler, oh, F him, he killed his family, I, I will weigh in on that real quick, um, obviously he doesn't get a free pass, per se, on, on killing his family, but, I mean, honestly, the dude was, the dude was not in his right mind, they're going to learn a lot more about traumatic head injuries later on like right now it's honestly not something that's researched enough um you know with within football you know particularly and obviously you know within boxing and wrestling and just you know honestly like look i'm not saying give benoit a free pass i'm not saying it was okay or justified or that like i love benoit but i'm just saying like he was clearly not in his right mind when when he killed his entire family and himself and like 
I, you know, I, I can kind of, I, I try and separate the two again, not to give him a free pass because he was an amazing wrestler, but it's just like, look, man, his stuff got messed up, and I think over time they're going to learn a lot more just about traumatic head injuries that kind of explains, like, what the hell happened there. So I'm not going to, like, be like, he's a piece of shit. Um, I well, think you know what, what happened was, yeah. yeah. No, what, what I was going to say was, and, you know, you're, you're 100% right, in, in your recommendation in terms of Ben Wine, this is the thing. And, you know, I've, I've discussed this with, with my wife who's a wrestling fan. I discuss it with coworkers. He, the, you have to really sit down and strip away your work life and your personal life. Yeah. In, in terms of as a professional, as a consummate professional, as an athlete, as a person who entertained millions, Chris Benoit was the fucking man. The guy was technical. He always showed right. aggression. He always delivered. He, it was always a four-star match. He can wrestle a broomstick and make a broomstick look good in a match. Now, as a yeah. person, you know, he, he went out, uh, you know, he, he had a moment of, you know, just, just, just uh, of lunacy. And, you know, he 86 his family and he 86 himself. But, and I understand that from a humanitarian standpoint, you got to look at it like, wow, you know, you killed your fucking kid and, and then you killed yourself and took the easy way out. But nobody was there. Nobody knows how it went down. And at the end of the day, I can say Chris Benoit is an athlete, will, and always shall be one of my favorite wrestlers. As a yeah, human, yeah, yeah. Shit. That's just how it is. It's like if you work in a workplace and you go, you know, my, the, the guy I work with, he's an asshole as a coworker. But as a friend, he's great. You know, and, and that's what happened. People fail to discern yeah. that particular thing. You've got to be like, look, man. He killed his family, and it's fucked up. It's like OJ. OJ's a piece of shit, and he killed his wife, and we all fucking know he did. But you know what? Yeah. His accomplishments on the on the field, on the gridiron, are always going to be legendary. And I'm always going to say, OJ Simpson was a badass football player, but a shitty human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree, and I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, I just kind of feel like, look, you know, it, it, it's almost the same as, like, looking at someone who has Alzheimer's. Like, dude, he was not in his right mind, man. I don't know what happened, but he clearly was not in his right mind. Um, now, hold on. Now, somebody mentioned something in the chat. Um, Sid Vicious? What the hell? He's not going to TNA. Get out of here with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's rumors that he's coming in, but it's because, you know, now that Hogan is, is kind of – He always talks – he trumps himself up. He's always like, well, you know, I talked to WWE. I talked to, like, Johnny Ace, and, yeah, maybe something's coming in. No hate on Sid, but it's like, dude, your time is up, man. Like, come on, man. The guy broke his I fucking mean, leg coming off the top rope. I don't really think that as a prof- – you know what it is, though? I'm not – here's one thing, and I said this about Kevin Nash – uh, in a yeah. previous broadcast, you know, if you're going to bring him in, don't let him wrestle. He could be a mouthpiece. He could be, a, you know, a bodyguard right. for a smaller dude and do shit yeah. like that. But don't, don't, don't automatically throw him in there. Oh, this guy's wrestling for the heavyweight title this week. You can't do that. There's certain yeah, guys yeah, yeah. they can't do that shit. They have to be yeah. background guys. That's it. Well, well, you know, it's like, look, I mean, it's it's almost that's the nature of the business. Like, honestly, especially in this day and age when, like, you know, companies find it somehow, I don't know, but very difficult to create new stars, you know, manufacture new stars, people are going to get run in the ground. Like, I'm sorry, no offense. Like, look, I'm not trying to hate, but, like, Hulk Hogan and TNA, yeah, it gets people talking, but it, just at the same time, it's like, well, what the hell is he doing in TNA? Like, what? Like, dude, hang it up, man. Like, look, I mean, man, look, man, he might be in there as a non-wrestling role. He probably would be in there as a very, you know, he wouldn't be full-time or anything even remotely like that, and, and TNA doesn't even have that sort of schedule regardless. But, 
it's just like, look, if he's going to wrestle, man, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Like, I'm, I'm skeptical. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, no, 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 no. Go for it. Go for it. What I was going to say was the Hogan thing can either go really well or really bad. I mean, you know, I, I, I see a lot of wrestlers on Twitter, and, I, and you know, I've seen their commentary. I see the, the commentary on TNA Impact. The thing that I feel is that, and, you know, WWE doesn't want to let go of this, and they're the main, the main guys that do this all the time, that you have to come up with a, with a time frame and go, you know what, this guy, as popular as he is, he just can't be in the main event anymore. He can't. Because you know what it is? You end up stifling all that young talent that, that can come out and, and, and go. You know, it's like right now the main event scene in the WWE consists of Cena, Orton, Orton Triple H, yeah. Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and that's really it. That's really your core group of guys. And then eventually they'll give somebody a nugget. Like they gave CM Punk a nugget, then they took it back. Then they gave yep. Hardy a little burn, then they took it back. Now they're, yep. they're pushing Kofi Kingston. Same shit. I think that they really got to start taking a gamble on some of these younger guys because you know what? If you don't let these guys work, how are they going to improve and become the future superstars of tomorrow? Yeah, well, it's tough in the sense that, you know, it's not the olden days. You know, WWE is on national TV. They're, they're, they, they don't – they didn't. They didn't develop OVW anymore. Now they have like FCW, and it's it's not run as well as OVW. Their their old development system under, um, you know, Danny Davis and Jim Cornette, and it's just you know they're they're back in the day like wrestlers would hone their craft in the territories, and because everything wasn't on TV, you could go around and be a fresh face. Like you know, if you were in like Pacific Northwest, and then you were done there, you could go to Memphis, or you know, you could go to AWA or whatever. You know, you could go all around, and you know, you could go to Mid Atlantic. Like you could go everywhere and travel around and be fresh and hone your craft and not burn out. But now on WWE, it's always the same dudes every week. You know, you don't really get to hone your craft. They have dudes come in like super, super green, you know, who don't have that much experience. And, you know, God bless them, the ones that grow into it. Like, for example, right, I remember when Miz started, God, I I fucking hated Miz. Like, not even because of his character, because he has a great character now. Like, he's really growing into it now. But, man, it was just, they put him out there, and he sucked, man. He just wasn't ready to go. And, and, And for a while, they punished him. Like, he didn't get to wrestle. He just was like the SmackDown MC or whatever for a while. And then, you know, he was kind of languishing you know, in, in, in ECW, and, and then once they kind of paired him with Morrison, they they really let him go, and, and he really started kind of getting some heat and, and growing into being comfortable on the mic, and so now it's like, I understand where you, I, I, and I agree totally, Rich, when you're saying, like, they need to kind of phase some of these older dudes out and, and let the cream rise to the top of the, the new talent, but at the same time, the development system just isn't there. So this isn't like when you bring in somebody fresh and they actually have, like, 10 years' experience. You're bringing in dudes like Morrison, like, straight from Tough Enough, and he's great now, but he had to grow into it, man. He was like Johnny Blaze with Eric Bischoff for a while, and he was Johnny yep. Nitro, and, and, and really had to grow and evolve. And um, you know, you're you're seeing guys evolve 
on TV now, whereas if this was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, they would have evolved off of TV. They would have learned in the arenas and just like, you know, traveled around the U.S. and, and gone to Japan and gotten seasoning there, gone to Mexico, gotten seasoning there, and that just doesn't happen anymore. So you're going to get these situations where they're always risky on – you know, developing new guys, and new guys find it harder to connect to the crowd because all they know how to do is, like, WWE style, and they're not all going to be natural at it. So they're going to push some dudes, and they're going to fail. Like, they're going to, they're gonna, you know, for every, like, Miz, you're going to have, like, an, a Vladimir Kozlov who just doesn't click. Like, they try hard, and they earnestly mean to, like, push a new dude, and he doesn't click. So well, that's it's what tough. with Matt Morgan. Matt Morgan went that route because if you remember Matt Morgan, he was the chubby guy on Tough Enough. Then they gave right. him a stupid stuttering gimmick. And look at him now in TNA. He's, 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 he's almost at main event status. He's tightened up his game significantly. I think he's one of the better, you know, larger, you know, larger athletes in the business. But that's the thing, and, and you bring up a valid point. The lack of, of seasoning, the lack of letting these guys hone their talent on, on the independent circuit is what's bombing, and what's happening is WWE is getting smart and plucking guys from, from Ring of Honor and plucking oh, guys yeah. from TNA because they know that those guys are putting in that work. If you watch Ring of Honor, I'd say 85% of that roster can do at least four-star matches on a consistent basis. If you go mm-hmm. into TNA and you pluck out you know, the Samoa Joes, the Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, AJ Styles, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, you run down – I'd say at least 75% of that roster, you got four-star wrestling talent. I mean, you got a dude like Abyss who, you know, a lot of people consider him to be a ripoff of Foley. But you know what? Foley helped put Abyss over as the future of this business. And that dude, you know, he does barbed wire matches, stretcher matches, tack matches, uh, glass matches, four stages of hell matches. This is a guy that's going out there, and he has great wrestling talent. But not only that, you know, he's tightened up his game plan, you know, and you've watched the development of some of these guys. And what happens is WWE is still in that mindset where, you know, you've got to be juiced to the gills and, you know, be nine feet tall to sell. And it's like the guys like Chris Jericho, they have to use charisma to get over. And, you know, guys like The Miz and Morrison, because if they don't, they're just going to be, you know, fodder for guys like The Big Show and Mark Henry to beat their ass every week. You know, those, those are guys that, it's true. I mean, you know. Yeah, no, no, I agree all the way. All the way, because they just look at size. Yeah, if Rey Mysterio wasn't a hustler and didn't do what he did, you know, and, and you know, Eddie Guerrero, and even Chris Benoit, who wasn't the biggest dude, Taz, if those guys didn't go above and beyond to make themselves unique, they would be fucking beaten by it by the world's strongest slam and, and, and the slowpoke choke slam every fucking week. You know, and that shit gets really stale because you know what it is? When I watched TNA, I, I watched one guy. That was Petey Williams. The guy that the mm-hmm. Canadian Destroyer, which is the flipping pile driver. Yep, never the flip seen, pile driver. I've, I've never seen it in my life. And I was like, holy shit, oh. why is this not being done elsewhere? Well, I, well, I'll answer that question. That one, the 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 Canadian destroyer is a dangerous as hell move. Two, not everyone can, you know, because I, I I almost have a slight. Don't get me wrong, right? I think the Canadian destroyer looks super badass. I love it. Like, don't, I'm not hating on the move, right? I remember, I think when when um. Jethro Holiday, when he was, you know, Trevor Murdoch in WWE, he tried to, like, sort of use it. Yeah, but he's too 
pudgy, and it, like I remember he did a really bad looking one on Matt Hardy. He it just looked so botched. It was there. It was uh, probably on Botchamania, probably. Um, well, you know what it is? But, they steal those moves. That that's just guys try. But that's what I'm saying. If those guys w- weren't, if, if um, Trevor Murdoch would have had more seasoning and more building for his character, he wouldn't have to resort to to stealing the move for the cheap pop. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. She stole yeah. AJ Styles' and Styles, Styles Clash because, as a wrestler, she fucking sucks. I'd rather watch paint dry than watch that bitch wrestle. Yeah, she's bad. And you know what? Like, we'll see, but and, and do not get me wrong. I am not saying I see her this way, right? But look, you know, Trish Stratus back in the day was really bad. And it's just like now WWE, those dudes have to learn, and they have to learn on TV. And who knows? Yep. Maybe in three to four years... Michelle McCool will actually be able to sort of connect with the crowd and, and, like, you know, she'll be able to up her game. But, yeah, that's that's part of the reason why stuff is kind of weak because you have the older guys that are just like, look, man, I have seen these matchups a billion times. And then you have the younger guys, and they're just not ready yet, man. It, it's different than back in the day, right? Like, for example, you'll have, like, you know, 20 years ago, when, like, Randy Savage won the world title at, like, WrestleMania four, like, you know, you have guys that have already built themselves up, you know, and then, you know, he, he naturally built up, he won the IC title, and, like, his crowd heat was just amazing, it was white hot, and, you know, you couldn't deny to give him the belt. You know, Hogan had to go off and make, like, no holds barred or whatever, so he wasn't in the picture, but, you know, but yeah, you yeah, had yeah. somebody, but you had somebody where it's like, dude, this dude is white hot, he connects with the crowd, he knows everything he needs to know, let's give him the belt. Now, you know, you were, you were saying, for example, they were pushing Kofi on Raw, you know, and he kicked Orton's ass, and that, you know, that was pretty good. He had a pretty solid moment at MSG. The crowd was white hot. I couldn't believe it. Like for, you know, especially for me where I don't get to check it every week, I'm kind of like, what, what the fuck? Like Kofi Kingston? Like how did he? Like I know they were pushing him, but it was just kind of like, you know, they sort of force pushes on guy again. Like I mentioned Kozlov. Like no one gave a crap about him. They tried, but Kofi, they were really behind him. So it's, but it's rare because. Kofi is somebody they brought in like he was just kind of fresh out of FCW or whatever, and he's had to grow into it. And if it doesn't click and, you know, you'll have guys that politic like Triple H be like, oh, he's not ready. He could just as easily get thrown back, man. It takes a long time for somebody to get over. And I try not to be too cynical because, look, the cream will rise to the top. I know it takes a, it takes a long time because of WWE's system, but remember, like you have somebody like Randy Orton, he was an evolution, and when he won his first title, when he beat Benoit at SummerSlam 04, it was like, oh, shit, they're pushing new talent. And I thought it was too early on Orton. I really did. I'm like, why? And then they made, then they made him a face, and it just didn't click. But then, oh, you know, God, a his month... face run was awful. Yeah, his face run was brutal, and then immediately Triple H, like, took the belt back. He was like, no, no, no just give me the belt back. Like, this is bullshit. It's clearly failed, right? So... Right there, you're like, wait a minute, they tried, and then immediately they take it away. And Orton was not ready to get the belt that early. He just wasn't developed like that. So it it took Orton time, and, you know, it kind of blows because that's almost what I see happening in WWE now, right? They force-feed somebody, it's too early, they don't quite have it together yet, and they're not ready yet, so they get pulled back. But then, look, you know, I'm going to be cynical, but look, as long as you give them more time... They have, some of them eventually grow into it. Now Orton, like, it's almost like, damn, like, Orton is evil. Like, this dude is really super over it. They're almost going to have to turn him face at this point because he's so huge now. Like, well, that's I mean, the thing. I, I don't... You got guys. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, no, I was going to say, it's just like, you know, so who knows, man? I think over time, like, let's say, you know, they try a little bit too hard on, like, pushing Miz or pushing Jack Swagger or something like that, and maybe they don't quite go whole hog with them and, and, and make them a, a steady main eventer. Well, you know, he might get punished a little while, but but I think they're so young and, and poten- they have a lot of potential, as long as they keep learning they can eventually be like real money players like orton and and grow into it you know and and let's not forget like another great example and he's injured right now but edge like you know edge way back like they kept trying to push him they kept trying to push him like when he was kind of at the at the intercontinental title level as like a face i remember that it just and it just wasn't connecting all the way like they'd give him world title matches with kurt angle and stuff and it just it just wasn't connecting all the way like you couldn't believe that he was actually like genuinely up there, and you wanted to see a fresh face, but I, just the crowd wasn't buying it yet. It wasn't until he went heel and really like started acting so scummy and shit, and then he had Lita and all that that he really got to grow into his character and really tap into that potential. Man, like Edge was a guy for a long time, especially as a face, where I thought, damn, this is just—it's going to be a glass ceiling. Like they're never going to give him the title because I just never saw him being a main eventer. So you just, it, it's it's frustrating, you know, like there are a lot of young talents, we're looking at Morrison, we're looking at Miz, we're looking at Jack Swagger, you know, even Evan Bourne, who's like light, but, you know, Mysterio shows at least maybe they could put it on, put the strap on like Evan Bourne, maybe, <laughs> in like some well, weird thing. universe. Well, no, uh-huh. that's the problem. The problem is that there's that, that, that hesitation, and you know what it is? You got guys, and, and this is the thing, they either get saddled with shitty gimmicks, or what happens is they they get uh, superseded when uh, you know these new guys come in. Like here's a good example: you you got a guy like Evan Bourne on ECW, just just burning the charts up, just boom 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 coming in every time his fucking music hits, everybody goes bananas. All right, then you say to yourself, all right, they're putting him on Raw. Good, they're, they're moving him up the ladder. That's nice. That's good shit. And then all of a sudden he's fucking oh he lost to Chris Masters this week. It's like, how the fuck do you take a guy who has the crowd eating out of his hand and have him lose to a fucking buzzkill like like a guy like Chris Masters? Chris Masters, have, yeah. yeah. Or have him lose to, you know, to Kozlov. Or have him lose to, yeah. It's like, what are, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? You are burying the potential career of this guy. It's like, you know, you didn't do that with John Cena. You didn't do that with certain guys. But now, you know, you see these little guys on the come up. And you and you just fucking shit on them, failing to realize that this is the future of your business when all these big motherfuckers break down. You know? Yeah, and I think and I think another great example from uh, a couple of years ago, who they really they really just kind of tank. Oh, actually, I can think of two guys that they really just kind of tank. Shelton Benjamin, I'd argue they like tank tank. Like, and don't get me wrong, right? I don't think Shelton Benjamin has learned to really connect with with the crowd yet as a as a heel or a face, really. But I remember, you know, he had that Gold Rush match with Shawn Michaels on Raw. Oh my God, that was amazing! Like they should have pushed him to the moon off that. And then another great example of a dude who was really getting hot, like kind of like an anti-hero like The Rock was Carlito, man, back when he was heel. Like, his first run, though, like when he got to feud with Cena and, and stuff like that, dude, that dude was yeah, fresh. Yeah, Cena in the nightclub. That shit right, crazy. right, 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 exactly, that bullshit, yeah. So, so, but when when they started off like that, they were really over, and like, WWE just, I, I, don't get me wrong, look, I mean, I hate to blame the company all the time, I'm sure the wrestlers, like, have some fault for it, but it's like, look, the job of a company 
is to mask the deficiencies of a wrestler and to accentuate their strengths. Now, if you have a guy that can't work the mic like Lashley or something, you don't give him the damn mic. You just let him destroy people and that, or you know, Goldberg or you know something like that. If you have somebody that can't really talk, don't make them talk. Like you know, it's just about that. So if you have guys like Carlito or whatever, or you know, or in this current crop like you know Jack Swagger has kind of a lisp a little bit. So, you know, some people bag on him for that. Well, then don't let him talk, man. Just let him destroy people, man. Like, there are ways around it to, to really downplay somebody's weaknesses. And, and WWE just doesn't do that. Like, they, they really don't do a good job of that, in my opinion. That, that's kind of why you can't see fresh dudes take off. Like, don't expose the weaknesses. Nope, they don't do that. All they do is they toss these guys to the wolves, and then it's just like survival of the fittest. And you know what? I'm fine with survival of the fittest, but not when you got people paying 50 bucks for a pay-per-view and buying Exactly. There's no, there's no hey, kids uh, that want to watch Evan Bourne get beat up because, you know, as soon as he comes out, kids are like, all right, this guy's going to come out. You know, yeah, you they lose, but make them lose for the right reasons. Don't make them lose. Yeah. You want to bury them. It's fucking bullshit. Right, make them lose, like, people get elevated when they have a tough competitive match, man, like, both dudes get elevated, you need that, they don't have that, now, like, look, I just saw Raw, we were talking about Raw at MSG, a, a goddamn three-minute match between Jack Swagger and Evan Bourne, that doesn't get Evan Bourne over, that doesn't get Evan Bourne over in on any level, it just makes you think, well, he's a tiny dude, and Jack Swagger just ripped him to shreds, because he's tiny. I mean, yeah, and that's this, what this happens, just... and then that was to make Jack Swagger look good, and you know what, that's fine and all, but there's be- there's other ways you can do that, you know, there's mic work, there's backstage vignettes, there's other ways that you can grow these guys without just simultaneously burying them on national television, because then it's like, then people just lose interest, it's like, we used, me and my, me and my girlfriend used to laugh, because we used to always, every time that uh, Legacy comes out, it's like, oh, Cody Rhodes is getting his ass beat. You know, and you always think Cody, Cody Rhodes is getting his ass beat. That's how it is. Like, yeah. oh, Cody Rhodes is because at the end of the day, they're growing DiBiase. So they're like, ah, fuck him, you know? And and that's hurting him down the road because it's like the few times that he gets a pinfall, you're like, oh, crap, he got one. But you know that he's just going to take the beating. Yeah, and, like, the worst part is that every time they have these young guys actually beat somebody, it's always with some sort of, you know, bullshit, you know, like, or, or, you know, let's say, you know, Legacy beat DX that one time, and then immediately DX, like, kicks their ass or something, and so it just completely negates the fact that Legacy was supposed to get elevated, <laughs> they always do it, or they, like, go on the mic, and then they clown, you know, yep. Legacy, and that's not how it's supposed to work, look, heels are supposed to get heel heat, you're not supposed to have guys like DX come out and clown the heels, that's, they, I, like, that may have worked when NWO was out, like it's something that was like new and fresh. But but when it comes to drawing money, you can't have the faces beat up the heels all the time. It's supposed to be the face the faces get their asses kicked, and then you pay for the pay per view to see them get the revenge. It's just, it's, right. it's not a difficult formula, yeah. And 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 you were mentioning Rich, like now it's like fifty four bucks, fifty four ninety five for a pay per view. I oh my god, I. 
WWE, I don't know, man. I don't know what the deal is. They would have been way smarter dropping the price and pushing the pay-per-views very, very hard, the fact that they were cheaper. Because their buy rates are in the toilet, and raising it 5 bucks doesn't increase the, the likelihood that you're going to buy it. And what's happening they also is the fact that they're not... There's so many. Don't you think that you just finished watching a pay-per-view and they're plugging the other one three weeks later? It's like you know, I'm not. Bucks? Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's tough in the sense that look, I mean, now WWE is a publicly traded company. You know, they're they're very much under and you know, and don't get me wrong, like the McMahon family, they own most of the shares, so they're actually not in as much pressure as as many other uh, publicly traded companies. But they're still under some pressure to deliver. Like, okay, you know, is, is this quarter better than the the year ending and the other quarter, or whatever the hell? So they're under that scrutiny in order to like the, the the numbers need to go up no matter what. You know, they they don't have the flexibility now. I think if it were maybe a question of maybe if they weren't public, maybe they could do something like that. But now you can't. Like, how are you going to justify the shareholders? We dropped the number of pay per views from fourteen to. Like the the big five again or whatever they, they'll it. never do that and 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 maybe and, the, and and sorry that would that would almost probably be a little bit too ludicrous at this stage like now just everyone's conditioned to have a monthly pay per view so they drop yep. like one they drop like one so there's thirteen it's still practically every three weeks which is just absurd and they don't know how to write creative anymore so it, it's not compelling enough to want to pay for it and every damn pay per view now is basically raw or smash down with more wrestling and that's just i mean it's just not worth it man it's really not worth it they need to they should have dropped the price and then you know and and they could have connected with their fans going you know what the economy's tough but we want you to be there wwe universe and all that nonsense they didn't even have to drop it drastically all they would if they just announced that they dropped it five bucks they probably could have like well, you know what? Never mind. Uh, you know what? Maybe I sound like yeah, I'm talking I mean, out of my ass. They they probably did their own research, and they feel like, you know what? We can't get more people to buy our pay-per-view, so we need to increase well, the price. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, well, with that, Larry, we got um, I got eight minutes of show left because these guys are uh, the service. They boot me. But, um, <laughs> well, 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 yeah, they do. The, 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 the Block Talk Radio, while it's nice and all because of the call-in features and stuff, once your, your allotted time runs out, they give you the they give you the can, so um you know not, uh, no problem no problem man I appreciate you letting letting me ramble about you know OC Remix of course pimp that ocremix dot org and then you know getting to talk with you about WWE and a little bit about TNA and and of course Ring of Honor which I don't get to watch but obviously you know I read I read about them and, and know about their dudes it, it's great man I I haven't gotten to talk wrestling in a while really so I definitely enjoy that too Rich man it's, it's awesome having me on man I, I'll definitely come on again if you want to have me. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, let's get the big plug out, of course, ocremix.org. You can also listen to Larry on Nitro Game Injection. You can check that out on uh, kngi.org. And, of course, head mm -hmm. over to VG Frequency also and show some love at vgfrequency.com. And, of course, OC Remix. You can also locate him on twitter.com slash ocremix or twitter.com slash LarryOG and show your love, man. And I appreciate you being on, Larry. It was uh it was a fucking great time, and definitely would love to have you guys on and, and, and work with OC Remix in the future. Hey, man, no doubt, man. Well, thanks a lot for having me and all you guys that are in the chat, man. I'm definitely, I've been reading it the whole time, man, so thanks a lot for, you know, putting up with me, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot.
Oh, you're the man, Larry. We will talk soon. Definitely hit me up on email, man, and, you know, we'll talk some wrestling and shit, you know? All right, man, no doubt, man. Well, uh, you know, enjoy the, the other last, like, three minutes of the show, man. It was my honor. All right, thanks a lot, Larry. Peace. All right, man, take care, Rich. All right, later. All right, with that said, um, a lot of shit got left off. We did not talk about the uh, Spike Video Game Awards. But you know what? I may do a uh, bonus show. I'm debating if I'm going to do a show the week of Thanksgiving. Um, That will be decided over the coming weeks. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, just to close out a few things, uh, like I said at the top of the broadcast, the art contest is in full effect. Uh, You have one logo and one banner. The banner has to be 480 by 250. Uh, First prize is a $100 gift card. Second prize is a $50 gift card. Uh, The contest starts today and runs through December 17th. Entries are going to be accepted until December 10th. Uh, The logo, like I said, uh, one of the only prerequisites is please try and use the colors red and black just to maintain the color scheme of the site. Um, it doesn't have to be completely red and black, but definitely try and keep it within that just to fit with the overall design of the site. And um, like I said, the banner is going to be 480 by 250 And prize, 100 bucks. Second prize, 50 bucks. Uh, with that said, um, I guess that's Slick calling back in. Let me catch him real quick. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What do you got? I just want to say congratulations on 20 shows. Thank you, sir. And, of course, happy Thanksgiving to everybody that I won't get to see. And hopefully we'll do a show next week because I'll be here. You got it, sir. I will I will um, give it some thought, and, you know, I'll collaborate with you uh, throughout the course of the week, and we'll see what we do. <laughs> and a quick shout-out to Mortis. Cabo Cabo, motherfucker. Nice. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, man. All right, man. Later. Peace. All right, with that said, you have listened to My Take Radio, episode 20 for Thursday, November 19th, 2009. Um, you can email me, the host, at mtrhost at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash akuma25 or twitter.com slash mytakeradio to keep up to date with all the, st- all the goings on for me personally as well as the show. Um, if you are on Facebook, look up My Take Radio on Facebook, show your support, and become a fan. Um, if you're on MySpace, hit me up, myspace.com slash rb19ad, and uh, say you're a fan of the show, I'll add you, um, and you can keep abreast of what's going on. Uh, I want to give some plugs for... Uh, my buddy Brooks Macbeth was on here last week. Uh, you can look him up on myspace.com slash Brooks Macbeth. Uh, shout out to the crew at VGN Radio. Shout out to my boy Don Anderson. You can listen to Tumbling with Tumbleweed Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Shout out to the boys also for Cleveland Sports Radio. Uh, the boys at bornstubbornradio.com for always uh, looking out for the interests of My Take Radio. 411mania.com for their great news ocremix.org, Larry OG for being a great guest, OC Remix for providing fantastic game music for the gaming community. Um, Head over to ocremix.org to download any tracks. Uh, MMAJunkie.com, of course, for keeping uh, the world up to date with the goings-on of MMA. And, of course, um, a shout-out to my homegirl who is doing um, 
pixel art, uh, you can head over to her shop. It's Etsy, dot com slash shop slash Royal Tresses. Uh, show them some support and check out some of her great uh, pixel art that she does. She does fantastic work, custom orders. Uh, some of her sprites that she has done are just magnificent. So definitely head over to etsy.com slash shop slash royal tresses, T-R-E-S-S-E-S. And that's going to do it for this week. I'm your host, Rich, and you have heard My Take Radio, episode 20. Uh, we will, of course, hopefully do a show next week. If not, head over to mytakeradio.com uh, to see what we're doing or, of course, Look me up on Facebook, Twitter, or any of that other shit. It's been real. Thank you guys for making 20 fantastic shows. I look forward to giving you a shitload more in the near future, and thanks for the support. It's been real. I'm out. Peace. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Finish him!